Ellen, Chris, Operation Retroshock listeners, it's Claire Redfield. Send the Stars team to Raccoon City. Umbrella is trying to eliminate us all. Hurry! Hey, it's up to us to take out Umbrella. It's time to watch your favorite TV program. Hit record on your VHS player. Tune in your NES and join Alan Price and Chris Vint with their views as we deploy Operation Retroshock. Hello ladies and gentlemen and welcome to episode 44 of Operation Retroshock and not only that... Cats! Hammers! Hammers? Cats. Seriously? Yeah, cats and hammers. Yes, Partridge is here again unfortunately. At least I haven't got a brother in prison. <laughs> well, good for you. So yes, Mr Partridge, thank you for joining us. I write your nuda. Again, here on Operation Retroshock, as I mentioned, this is episode 44. The date is the 12th of February 2012. Uh, that's if you're listening on the Sunday, it's actually been released. Yes, um, exactly. But for us, this oh, is what if released. Li- what if they're listening early? Because normally it goes up a bit earlier on iTunes. Hmm? Shh, stop ruining it. Um, but yes, this should be the 12th of February 2012, which means... Happy Valentine's Day! <laughs> no, um, not Happy Valentine's Day. The true date you must remember in February, and that is, this is the second anniversary of Operation Retroshock. Has it really been this long? Yes, and it's been a year since we've been to the Doctor Who experience as well. Yeah. My goodness, that year flew by... Many things, as Chris mentioned, you had the Doctor Who experience in London, England, um, home of the Queen Mother. Uh, there was also Game Fest in September, which was a good, good time had by all. It'll also be happening again this year, no doubts. And just there is tons to come even more this year, so plenty to be had on your plate this year. So, second anniversary, what have we got in store for you? Well... We're kind of harking back to the first episode of Operation Retroshock. If you remember, everybody, in that first episode, we covered a bit of Doctor Who. Um, The first Back to the Future, uh, Jeff Jarrett TNA. (laughs) Why we ever decided to do that, I'll never know. Because we were in the TNA two years ago. My how times have changed. My how times have changed, indeed. And the final subject on that first episode was Resident Evil 5. And that is where our link comes in. This is going to be a bit of a Resident Evil, you know, two-year special for you all. Um, we're going to cover two of the games, maybe talk a wee bit about other things. But there is one other bigger thing, so to say, on this episode, which I will, as I didn't even introduce ourselves <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. I will hand over to my co-host Chris Vent, and he will explain everything to you all. 
Right, well, obviously, as Alan said, on Res- uh, Resident Evil 5 was on episode 1, and then sometime later on, we reviewed the first Resident Evil with um, Sween Halleck. Mm-hmm. Um, so, because we have Alison Court, uh, you would have heard on the Mario special that um, she is the voice of um, Claire Redfield in the Resident Evil games, and also the Resident Evil CGI movie, The Degeneration, or whatever it was called. Um so what we're going to do is we're going to cover Resident Evil 2 and Resident Evil Code Veronica. Um, since they both heavily feature uh, Claire Redfield, uh, we're going to talk about them. Uh, we're also then going to have the interview with uh, Miss Court herself. Uh, another little tidbit that we uh, found out and we'll be asking her questions about, was she actually did the voice for Jubilee in the uh, 1992 um, animation of X-Men. So double bonus. Yeah, so double bonus. Uh, she also did a few voices in like, Care Bears, and I didn't even know that Beetlejuice had a cartoon. Did it really? Yeah, I didn't even know that now. She did voice in that there as well, and uh, Bill and Ted uh, had a mm. cartoon as well, so... Uh, did some voices there, but obviously we're going to be talking about... We're just going to split up the way we normally do, like with Townsend Coleman or um, Eric Stewart. We're going to talk about a subject, have the interview, and then do the other subject, and then round up there. And uh, then obviously you would have heard as well is that um, uh, probably our next interview will be with Laura Summer, who was the voice of Janine Melnitz on uh, The Real Ghostbusters. So it'll be interesting. Uh, now, obviously, you would have seen that on the likes of Twitter and Facebook. Um, we're actually asking for your questions from this summer. Um, just because Resident Evil is kind of a one of my favourite games ever. Uh, I'm not saying that Real Ghostbusters wasn't a favourite cartoon of mine, but obviously a lot of more people may have watched that than playing the Resident Evil games. And that's why certain Mr. E Talk enjoys it. Yeah, so that's why it's a case of we're kind of throwing it open um, for yourself. So I know Superfan Ben and somebody on the RetroShock feed and a few other people um, have sent in questions, so we'll do our best to get through them. Indeed we shall. So, I think that's everything for this opening segment, so we shall go forwards and start speaking about Resident Evil 2, shall we? Yes. So, over to you, Chris, with the back of the game box. It started with the disaster at the Mansion Lab. Umbrella Corporation developed the T-Virus, a toxin for use in biological weapons. After breaking loose, the virus turned all living things into hideous mutations. The experiment was a failure. The case was eventually closed, but Umbrella's activities were far from over. A new virus has been released. Raccoon City is now infested and bloodthirsty zombies overwhelm the community. The nightmare has only just begun. (laughs) I must say, it has quite the violent front on it, hasn't it? Yeah, it kind of does. And it's one that's actually... um, you know, they've obviously done the same cover here, they did the same cover in the second one, yep. uh, on the N64, and obviously uh, where it all began on the PlayStation 1, um, where it was actually split into two discs, and the reason for this was one disc was to do with you could play the story as Claire, and one disc was the story you played as Leon. Leon. So if you played as Leon, then obviously you completed the game, and then you played as Claire, there are certain parts that overlap, but you get to see different points of view from the different characters which kind of ex- makes that a lot better obviously in the first Resident Evil you got to play as either Chris or Jill and the main advantage was that Jill A had a gun quicker and B had more items mm-hmm. um, that she was able to carry um, whereas Chris didn't but I don't think I, from what I remember there wasn't really that 
big a gap between the two characters yeah. you know but um I remember working in my second job whenever this came out. I remember buying it whenever it came out. I remember showing the actual CG intro uh, on a TV to somebody um, who was kind of, you know, he said he was looking forward to the game. Yeah. We actually, I think we had it in stock then. I put it on, I showed him it, and then after that he bought it. Yeah. Um, but that was one of my, this is always featured heavily on my uh, top 10 uh, um PlayStation games and Resident Evil 2 would probably have to be my favourite Resident Evil of all times. Ooh. Yep. But one that could challenge it is Operation Raccoon City, possibly. Yeah, but... We shall see. Yeah. But, anyways, moving on. Um, there was obviously a case of this, the whole thing between Resident Evil and 2, there was actually kind of a development that went on and it became known as Resident Evil 1.5 but like the producer wasn't happy about it or something along that, those sort of lines. He wanted it to be a bit more dramatic, a bit more sort of desperate so that's where sort of we have the CD kicking about here as well. Um, that's it there. <laughs> I don't know what sort of sound it was going to be there. There we go, that's the box opening. But if you open it up and look at the CD... Covered in cockroaches. Oh, that's nasty. In your face. The 3D. Oh, and look at that itchy, tasty Resident Evil books. I'm not. I'm not lying. Everybody, that is what is described here. Itchy, tasty Resident Evil novels from pocket books available now. The world of survival horror just got bigger. The horror has just begun. So there was comics and novelizations. Talibin Cove and the Umbrella Conspiracy. That's cool. And then there's nasty zombie brain on the back. Yep. Set them. So back you may hear some music in the background and stuff. Or in the ad breaks or whatever. We just decide where they are. Yeah. Um. So not on. You know, not just obviously. It was a case of it came out on PlayStation in 1998. To go back to though, with you saying about Resident Evil 1.5, yeah, yeah, yeah. and they were quite unhappy with that. Do you not remember seeing like Resident Evil 4? before mm-hmm. they actually changed it yeah. and you saw like Leon walking down the hallway and the curtains were all blowing yeah, and stuff yeah, yeah. and then that was the way it was meant to look and then they drastically changed that mm-hmm. all as well so they started off doing it and then they kind of you know like towards the you know like the the GameCube uh, and you know like the PlayStation 2 Incarnation Resident Evil 4 were showing and then kind of was drastically changed yeah. so so it's not the first time yeah. they've you know obviously messed about with their games um, which to be quite honest you kind of wonder obviously financially things weren't as bad maybe back then but you know how companies can afford to plow through such development money you know, to pretty much develop an entire game in a certain style. And well, it's not, as if it, it's not as if it was like a Duke Nukem and took 10 years to develop. Well, yes, that is true. I have to give you that one. You know, in the time of 10 years of Duke Nukem, I think they released in like near enough all six-odd incarnations, six or seven Resident Evils. And, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you'd yeah, be pretty much there, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Um, because I'm sure that was the whole thing going on about Duke Nukem, was they said this game would have fit in 10 years ago. <laughs> Unfortunately, that was the case for it. So, obviously, you mentioned about the whole Claire and Leon thing, the splitting up thing. Yep. Was there a particular storyline or path you preferred going? Did you prefer the Leon route or did you prefer probably, the Claire route? Probably Leon. <coughs> it's not that I don't like playing the games as female characters, but I just preferred playing as Leon. Mm-hmm. It was the first disc that I actually stuck in. Um, 
my PlayStation and was just blown away by <coughs> by the graphics of it and then the first time you see the liquor on the, mm-hmm. the on the um, whenever you go into the police station <coughs> and I also remember that there was a one of the police officers was sitting near the lockers and to this day all I can think of is that he looks like Will Smith because he's dark <laughs> and it almost looks like he has a moustache but he doesn't yeah. and he just goes you know, I'm not going to leave you here and I go like go and he points a gun at Leon Leon then just goes away he runs away yeah but no I I enjoyed playing as both of them but I would remember more about playing as Leon yeah. than I would as Claire you know but it's weird because I have the GameCube version here but there's only actually one disc. Mm-hmm. Now look, but pre-owned. Yeah. Um, no, because that's it. Surprises me that you know. Obviously, yes, with you know a bit of time difference, but it's not a huge amount of time difference between you know the you know the PS2 and the PS you know and the PS1 and all. And yet we have here the GameCube with one disc, and not only that, it's a tiny disc. Mm-hmm. It's like how all that data can be fed on that small. Yeah. disc. <coughs> you just when starting a new game, you can either choose Leon or Claire as your character. After playing through the game and completing once, load the last save data to start the B scenario. Now you will automatically play again as the opposite character to reveal new puzzles and events. Mm-hmm. Which it's very rare that you actually get games like that that offer. Sorry, this is the case closing. Um, <laughs> Sound effect. <laughs> it's very rare that you get games that offer that replay replay value mm-hmm. because there's like obviously with the likes of Mass Effect. Um, That's actually know, I was about to mention. You know, like you do have different alternatives whether a character dies or whether he doesn't die. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas this here, obviously, you play as one character and then you go through, and it's kind of there's different puzzle, there's different things there. Mm-hmm. So it's not a case of you're playing through the exact same game. And yeah. you're getting the exact same items. So it could be pr- it could be pretty much said that this kind of nearly was like a predecessor to the future RPGs that you got from the likes of Bioware, possibly. You know, the way obviously, and it's different, obviously, and completely in Mass Effect in the sense of um, it's not two separate stories you're going. Yeah. But it can be its own unique story in the sense of there's different branches and it goes different routes. This had its own two distinct stories, though. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so it was kind of like that. But they get the, that kind of because. Theoretically, they could have done what they did. We we're planning to do Resident Evil, do one point five, and then do Resident Evil two point five. Like I know that with the first Resident Evil, they did their director's cut, which gives you extra puzzles mm-hmm. and stuff. And on the PlayStation one, it actually added the vibration function into that. In fact, I actually show you something here. Oh. He always has something handy that he can grab. Let's see here. You need don't, to don't, dust. Don't knock over all the figures. No, looky, looky, what's this? Let's see. Official Resident Evil peripheral, Resident Evil pad for the original PlayStation. Oh, yeah, so the the buttons in the different places. Yeah, can I have that just to uh, dust before that comes everywhere? <laughs> He's got the duster out. Must say it was quite nasty. Thank you. That's a bit better now. Oh, so it has a picture of the characters on each side of it as well. Yeah, so you actually have on the... Yeah, Obviously. so you have on the front, you have your arrows and all in the normal place. You can yeah. select your start and all that but sort of stuff, but... You've got a turbo button. Oh, right, he's lifting it actually out of If you look there, you've got the trigger uh-huh. there. Oh, so you're the you do in square and R1, then you've just got square to run, and then you've got your trigger to so shoot. That was, so that's, again, nearly kind of a precursor to modern-day controls. Yeah, well, that was the first one that I'd ever seen that was, you know, like, obviously you'd seen that there was the Ridge Racer. Um, Controller, one. yeah. Yeah, so then this here, obviously, look, there's the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but then with this here... It was a case that made life a lot easier because... Um, I, w- I got the email from Roger M. 
Um, it was a lot smaller um, to use, so it was just a case of you know, like it was a lot thinner in your hand, and then you just had the different buttons there that you could uh, you needed to use and stuff. Um, so that was a big help to me, and that obviously came out whenever Resident Evil Two came out because it says developed specifically for use in Resident Evil, Resident Evil Director's Cut, and Resident Evil Two games not included. Uh, includes unique gun grip trigger built into your handle gives ultimate blasting control an ideal button layout provides the best control let me, me just take that sort of stuff for granted nowadays well you know what You know, uh, uh, the other side is another Resident Evil controller that I have mm. a very unique one yeah I know the one you mean Yeah, it's all just crazy freakiness here when it comes to the Resident Evil stuff I'll tell you that I wonder what time it is <laughs> oh ha 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 the time in stars is 7.30 <laughs> um, now I must say in the whole redesign thing going to number 2 um, I've, I've just been reading something here it says um, it says apart from the graphics change one of the most uh, important new features was the zapping system um, it says here which was partly inspired by Back to the Future Part 2 a time-travelling themed film sequel that offers a different perspective on the story of the original film. Really? So they're saying that their inspiration was Back to the Future 2. Okay. Now, I have, I have to admit, that's quite surprised that they got the inspiration from Back to the Future when, you know, it wouldn't be something I would have pictured Back to the Future being a big thing in Japan or anything like that. Just shows you. Never count anything out. Um, we'll talk probably about because it depicts the future. Mm. That's probably why, and there's like new gadgets like the hoverboard and all that kind of caper. That's yeah. probably why it was maybe liked over there. Quite possibly, quite possibly. Um, shall we talk about the whole re-releases and stuff? Obviously, yes, you had a quick mention there that you have it on the GameCube. Yep. Uh, so yes, initially released January 1988 on the PlayStation. Uh, later came out. I know. Scary. Uh, later came in, does it tell you what date in January? Date in January. I shall have a quick check. Let's have a wee look. January twenty first, nineteen ninety eight. What would have been a nice? Because I remember that you were uh, thinking that would have been a nice birthday present. I remember Resident Evil Four came out in America around my birthday, and that was a birthday present I got from. My oh parents. yeah, speaking of which, everybody, um, we got kind of carried away recently in recording shows, so uh, we didn't really have a Chris birthday special. Um, yeah. So this is kind of in the sense of he's getting to speak about Resident Evil and all that sort of thing. Oh, is it? Oh, I didn't know that. No, I... we'll give you another one though. But this yeah. is kind of part of it. Yeah. So we will have at some stage down the line another kind of Chris dedicated special because we had our Mario special recorded a wee bit in advance, and then the way the dates have fell, we've kind of just skipped right past Chris's birthday when it comes to the show plan. Alan just said he didn't care. Shh! Don't say that. I just did. Okay, okay. So, not only obviously was it the PlayStation that went to Windows and all that sort of stuff, but it also ended up on the Dreamcast. Yeah. Um, which had the added support of the virtual memory unit. That's so actually down there as well. For sake, do you have everything about here? <laughs> I didn't know that I must. But yeah, it had the virtual memory unit enabling the peripheral to display the current condition of the playable character. I didn't know that. I didn't. I didn't know that either. Actually, to be honest. I need to kind of use that more for Sonic Adventure because you had the Chows or whatever they're called in that. <laughs> so it was on that. It's on the GameCube. There was a 64 version as well. Yeah, I remember that. 
It's just like it's been ported so many times. But unfortunately, like the first Resident Evil, which was ported to the GameCube, and they really polished up the graphics. Yeah. Resident Evil Two was just a straight port. Yeah, that's they didn't do anything to it. At no, all. they didn't do anything to it. Um, it is. I mean, as much as I love the game, it is rough to look at, and we'll probably have a look at this. In fact, do you want me to fire it on now? Yeah, sure. Okay. Fire it up and we'll uh, see what the crack is sorry, here. Sorry, what's my console? Oh, it's a Resident Evil GameCube. It's a, yeah, it's a Resident Evil... Isn't it Resident Evil 4 GameCube? That's correct. Yeah, it's a silver one, everybody. Oh, Chris and his Resident Evil love. I always laugh, because there's... Remember Game Fest, where you were speaking to the Capcom guy? I was like, look at my watch. <laughs> yeah. What time is it? I'll tell you. For me, yeah. I have a Resident Evil watch. Wow, that's BBC Northern Ireland television over there. Bar. I suppose I'll turn the microphone a wee bit too, and you can. Can I it. just can I just play this round in this <gasps> scenes of violence and gore? I'm gonna have to hang on to microphone or I'll tilt. Nintendo. So I talk people through it, Chris. Uh, yeah, so it just comes up saying Resident Evil, and then you hit button, and then <laughs> you hit button. Yeah, but then it normally comes up Resident Evil. Oh right. So we can go to load game, original game, or arranged game. So we'll just go to uh, original game, and then we what's, can. What's the arranged game? Uh, I don't know. What does it do? I do not know. Rookie. No, I'll just go to the original anyway. It's fine. Two. See, because it's nineteen ninety eight, and it's two thousand and three. So it must have been whenever it was released here in two thousand three. Yeah. From the first one, because this still looks pretty good. From I for the age of it, yeah, definitely. Obviously, the ones from Raccoon City kind of blow it out of the water. Yeah, but that's what I have to say. You know, for each, for each Resident Evil on the time period, their you know their intros and their videos are always very very good quality. Yeah. Because like this is good for this time period. And then and the if you one notice, for Raccoon City is even more exciting. And if you notice that on Resident Evil 2, Resident Evil 4, Resident Evil 5, Resident Evil Raccoon City, they all start in the Jeep. Yeah, that's true. There's all a Jeep involved. Oh, lovely. Zombies. That's nearly another hard back to Operation Raccoon City as well, because that's part of the video, is the big trap that gets blown up, remember, as well? Because yeah. obviously this is where Operation Raccoon City kind of ties in a bit, doesn't it? It's, yeah. ar it's around, yeah. the, it's around it's this time do, period. It's to do with Leon and it's to do with Claire as well. So it's kind of in and around this time period. Zombies really aren't as freaky in this as I remember them being. They aren't, like, I have to admit, I remember when I played the first Resident Evil, I was scared to hell of the zombies, like. No, twitchy twitchy. I just run. It's wrong. Get down. Just to remember these things. <laughs> we can't stay out here. Head to the police station. It'll be a lot safer. And that's where obviously their stories go separate ways. Because there's a thing that explodes here. 
Because I saw San Rican City is one over there in the police car. I think I'll just get the rest of this. It's, it's kind of cool seeing these wee bits that we've noticed, obviously from having played Raccoon City at Game Fest, that just there's the tiny things, like you say, the police cars are there. And there was also a... Oh lord, it's so rough! There was also a thing that if you could go to the police station, uh, better than I am, um, actually not getting hit by the zombies or not shooting anything, then you got a uh, herb. And this is obviously where we see the infamous waving of hands a la Power Rangers, as Alan Wilson see. That's another thing I always remember is the doors opening. Obviously with Resident Evil Code Veronica, I'll show you the HD version. Whoa, it's a square oh, shotgun. I'm a human. <laughs> I was about to say, I thought he didn't care there for a second. I thought he was actually going to properly shoot the guy. Wow, rip off Britain. <laughs> so exciting on that television. It is. There. It's like the TV program in the morning, Saints and Scroungers or something. Something ridiculous then? Yep. Well, there we go. That was a quick look back at Resident Evil 2, and that's probably made Chris rather happy anyway. Those graphics were so rough, it's but scary. It's like everything these days, you know, like if you go to play Goldeneye in the N64, you'll notice how rough it is. Yeah. And it really is rough. Gotta love those old style polygons. Yep. But you have to, you do still have to give it, like the music on it's fantastic. Mm -hmm. Just for setting the vibe of desperation and terror. Just getting that one there for Resident Evil Veronica. <laughs> So, um, is there anything else you want to say before we start talking about how the press took to it and all that sort of stuff? Um, no. Nothing um, I think this was one of the very few games on the PlayStation that was two discs. Obviously, Metal Gear Solid um, was two discs, um, because it was whenever you went downstairs, it would ask you to put in disc two, but from what I remember, there wasn't a lot of games that were in two discs. Obviously, once we got the PlayStation two then there was even fewer of those there I mean I can't really recall very many well Code Veronica came out in the PlayStation 2 as well but there was a disc and then there was a demo disc so it did have yeah. two discs but one was a demo so I can't really recall too many on the PlayStation 2 that were two discs nice so the, re the reception everybody um, with 4.96 million copies sold the PlayStation version of Resident Evil 2 was a commercial success uh, well, you would like to think so, considering we've had so many sequels since. Yeah. Um, it is the franchise's best-selling game on a single platform. Uh, 810,000 copies of the DualShock Ver... Uh, I'm assuming that's version... Uh, ...were shipped in March 99. Resident Evil... the Resident Evil Director's Cut. Yeah, the Director's Cut. Uh, it was well received by critics. The original PlayStation release holds an average score of 92.57, still to this day... Which, if you think, like, from 1998 to now, to still yeah. average 92% is very, very good. Uh, game rankings gives it 89 out of 100. Um, then we have... Uh, it was the fourth best game on the PlayStation by Famitsu. Those infamous people at Famitsu again. Um, 
Electronic Gaming Monthly, IGN, Game Informer, and the official UK PlayStation magazine include Resident Evil 2 in their list of the 100 best games. It came in 62nd, 58th, 34th, and 6th, respectively. That's quite a f- range, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and in 2011, Game Trailer ranked it 4th on a list of their games that most needed remakes. The majority of reviews praised Resident Evil 2 for its atmosphere, setting, graphics and audio, but criticised the controls, voice acting and certain gameplay elements. I think it's I think it's kind of harsh to damn the voice acting and all that sort of stuff, because obviously nowadays we expect a lot from our voice acting, again, mentioning yeah. stuff like Mass Effect, because it becomes pretty much like a movie now, yeah. so you expect good quality voice acting, and a lot of the people who are voice actors now in video games are mainstream actors. Yes. So yeah. they do properly, you know, they can properly give it a good range in comparison to what these guys back then were probably just told, read these lines. I mean, it was only the day after we interviewed Townsend Coleman that we found out that both him and Cam Clark both did voices in Mass Effect. Plus the fact that I only found out the other day that Dwight Schultz, a.k.a. Murdoch from the A-Team, voiced Commander Presley in Mass Effect 2. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's... So many people who are, or Mark Hamill as the Joker, that's probably the most famous one. Is yeah. that, you know, like an actor who's then went into voice acting and, you know, give it his all and done really well at it. Mm-hmm. It's quite funny that, you know, that, uh, there were, you know, Game Chillers was mentioning that, it, you know, most neat, you know, it was fourth in the most needed remakes. Mm-hmm. In the sense, we're not getting a remake. But we're getting a kind of segue to the side sort of thing yeah. in terms of Raccoon City. So. Well, I think. Excuse me, I think if they say that obviously in the Xbox and PlayStation they remade Resident Evil 4 and then they did Code Veronica. Yeah. In my opinion, Code Veronica is a good game and all, but Resident Evil 2 would have, I think if they had done that instead of Code Veronica, I think that would have done a hell of a lot more business yeah. than for them on digital download forms. It's maybe just a case of it would have took a wee bit too much effort to clean up the graphics yeah well suppose with it being you having the two stories I can maybe understand why you know given that aspect but it's something that you know obviously Resident Evil has been around since you know since 1998 so why not do something you know again uh, what would that be that would be to so next year would be what the 15th anniversary 25th my mouth is shocking (laughs) <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, whatever it would be, 15th anniversary, say. Yeah, um, it's the 15th. Do something like that, you know, and make that available. Make Resident Evil 2 or have a fan poll of what Resident Evil would you like to be made? Would it like to be Resident Evil 0, which was only on the GameCube? Or would you like to have, you know, um, Resident Evil 2? Or would you like to have, I don't know, Resident Evil Revelations ported over to the Xbox or something like that? I don't know. He doesn't know everybody. Don't know. Don't know. Don't know. I don't know. So. Oh, I don't know. So everybody else has been rating it sort of around the ninety bracket out of a hundred. What would have you rated it, or what uh, do you rate it even? Oh no, I would rate it high nineties. Obviously, playing it now, it, if I hadn't played it now, you know, like you would have given it maybe. A, I would probably give it like ninety three, ninety four percent, or about that, because it was just a game that I. Enjoyed the hell out of playing, and it's one that I would go back to and revisit time and time again. Resident Evil has always been a series. Like I said to you there a couple of days ago, that we need to start playing Resident Evil Five. Yeah, again. to get ready for Raccoon City. Yeah, there's a lot of multiplayer's coming. Everybody that we're looking forward to, and Resident Evil is one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So we're probably going to have more memories in Resident Evil 5 along the lines of, Chris, don't go through that door. Oh, there's the liquors. Oh, I'll just start firing my grenade launcher and various other different things. I can handle that. I'm, I'm an expert. <laughs> Chris was just running around and just killing them all at yeah. his own time. And I just said, I'll just come in with my grenade it's launcher. I'll be fine. Knife in them in the head. Don't go that extreme. Like a ninja. Flipping Dundee there. <laughs> God, I might. <laughs> so, we shall go to the break. Mm-hmm. And? and we will all have our little interview with Alison Court, aka Claire Redfield, and we'll sit down and discuss her voice in Jubilee on X Men and on Resident Evil, and then uh, what the future holds for, and uh, all that goodness. So uh, we shall uh, see you after the break, and don't go outside if it's dark because there might be people going. Bang. Hello, this is James Etook. If you like eighties cartoons, and let's face it, how could you not? Then be sure to pick up a copy of Serial Geek Magazine, the glossy 100-page ad-free magazine dedicated to GoBots. And somewhat more importantly, He-Man, She-Ra, Thundercats, Transformers, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, G.I. Joe, etc. Head on over to www.serialgeek.com. That's cereal as in breakfast cereal. Go there now and pick up the animation magazine dedicated to 80s cartoons. Go now. What's up, folks? You are listening to Operation Retro Shock with Crazy Cool Chris Vent and Awfully Awesome Alan Price. If one of your favorite retro memories happens to be Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, then by all means, check out Radical Retro Turtle Toy Talk on PopCultureNetwork.com. Every week we get reacquainted with old friends from the original Playmates TMNT toy line. Fab Four fans new and old won't be sorry for checking it out. That's Radical Retro Turtle Toy Talk, and you can only find it on PopCultureNetwork.com. Turtle Power! Whoa! Cowabunga, dudes! Michelangelo here from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Just kicking it in the old turtle lair here with my buds, my pizza, and listening to Operation Retro Shock. Whoa, just like you! Retro Shock Turtle Power! Welcome back to the break, from the break, even. Uh, sorry, I'm kind of starstruck here because this is kind of like a big thrill for me. I'm a huge Resident Evil fan, if you would have heard in the last part. I was talking about uh, myself and Alan talking about Resident Evil 2. Uh, so I can't do this person justice, so if you would please introduce yourself and what you pretend to do in Resident Evil. <laughs> Hi, uh, my name is Alison Court. And, uh, well, in terms of Resident Evil, I've had my hands in many different aspects of the franchise, but I would probably be best known for providing the voice for Claire Redfield. Okay. Alison, it's a huge thrill to have you on the show. Uh, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule um, to come on and discuss some things pertaining to Resident Evil. It's greatly appreciated, so uh, thank you very much. 
Thank you for asking me to do this. Okay. Pleasure. Um, quite a couple of days ago, um, we saw a reveal, a trailer for Resident Evil 6. I just wanted to get your thoughts on that, uh, but even more so your thoughts on the upcoming Operation Raccoon City. I played it at a game conference and was kind of blown away uh, in two aspects. One, that Alan and I broke the console, so the game actually froze. Um <laughs> And two, it was just brilliant to actually play that and see the likes of Leon and see Claire. So just if you want to talk about Resident Evil 6, your thoughts on that, and then obviously um, Raccoon City. Oh, well, i got to tell you, I am so completely jealous that you've had an opportunity to play Operation Raccoon City. Um, it looks like so much fun. Uh, I am, I'm really excited about it coming out and getting to play with friends because the, uh, the online... Um, co-player aspect of the game I think is is going to be brilliant just just a really good time I think it covers a lot of things that were not before available to the Resident Evil audience um, and really captures the action-packed fun team aspect that uh, a lot of other game franchises have gone into and the thing is you know this isn't it's not Resident Evil 7 or Resident Evil 8 or anything like that. They've allowed the game to kind of go in a different direction and just give the fans an extra special treat that um, I think very other, very few other franchises would be able to do this with their property. A lot of games are really cornered in one niche market, and the brilliance of Resident Evil is that they've opened it up and they're able to cover so much territory and appeal to so many different kinds of people. Um, so, yeah, what did you think of the game? Uh, I I loved it due to the fact that you know you had four um, TVs round and then you each had a controller and you were able to pick your characters and stuff and obviously this is the first time you get to play as Umbrella instead of playing as you know the heroes that are trying to make sure that you know Umbrella goes under and all this stuff but I was was, that was that was the one I mean my watch my watch is a Stars Raccoon Police Department watch you know I'm that big of a nerd Um, so I'm talking to the right person you know in terms of Resident Evil um, but That's yeah it awesome. just just the, the co-op aspect of it was absolutely fantastic and I can't wait to actually play it with my friends online and uh, I, I was actually just playing Resident Evil 5 before it came on so co-op and Resident Evil just uh, that's just uh, a match made in heaven as far as I'm concerned but no it's something it's something that you'll really enjoy and the amount of different um different gameplay aspects because you can't play as the heroes as well in a certain um, part of it so just the things like that are just absolutely fantastic yeah I, I completely agree with you and I'm only talking about what I've seen but my enthusiasm comes from the idea of being able to play as a bad guy that is so awesome um, and the fact that you know you can play as the heroes or you can actually hunt down the heroes I think that's uh I got to tell you that kind of relates back to one of the first fan experiences I ever had uh coming out of Resident Evil 2. I met somebody who told me that he's like, "Oh, I downloaded all of your screams. Every time you died or you were attacked by a creature, I saved those screams and they're on my computer now." And it was a I, it was a strange moment. <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure wow. it would be. Yes, you you've um, coveted my death screams. I'm not sure how to take that. It but could have been worse than if he said that there are his mobile phone number text messaging screams or something like that. 
Well, who knows how they've been applied these days. Uh, but here we are 15 years later, and I think I can kind of understand now that appeal. It's like people have been so much a part of this world, and the world has been so much a part of their lives now that it's you have this, not a, not hate, like a love-hate relationship, that there's kind of a... There's such a familiarity that you you wouldn't mind slapping Leon or Claire around a little bit because, frankly, I think we deserve it. <laughs> uh, and just very quickly, what did you think of the trailer for Resident Evil Six? Um, it, you know, those it's mind blowing in terms of the the visuals, and I've only seen the one trailer, so I still don't know much about the story. Um, I know that it's the three male characters that you get to play as. And, of course, my big brother is in there, so I'm always happy when I get to see Chris. Um, I got, for me personally, I, I'm i a huge Wesker fan. Um, okay. Wesker is probably my favorite character of all time from Resident Evil. And um, I'm also, I, I love pure old-school survival horror. Now, I know with what I was saying about Operation Raccoon City, it's completely different. Bec- and But what I like about the game is they're not trying to be a survival horror game or anything like that or or sort of delve into that aspect of Resident Evil. They, they've they gone and made a very different game. So my hope for Resident Evil 6, um, without being able to see what's going on, I mean, there's a lot of action in that stuff, but my hope, uh, in terms of the kind of game that I like is that they go and embrace the back to the roots of Resident Evil and that you know the spooky moments mm-hmm. of isolation and and feeling like a fish out of water survival horror <laughs> yeah and as soon as you hear the music for the same room you're just like oh I can relax for a minute yeah <laughs> but then see this is the thing because they could really trick the audience by by putting moments like that in and the audience would just naturally respond the way they would to yeah. Resident Evil 2 but then you don't have that same kind of time anymore <laughs> and you would be screaming again you know um, so I I don't know what to tell you overall for Resident Evil 6 I wasn't involved with the game um, and it's a long way off yet it's not coming out till November so mm-hmm. who knows what else they're going to show us in the in the coming months about gameplay and character development and storyline and all that stuff, it'll be interesting. I will say I thought the advertising campaign leading up to the release of the trailer was really fun. Mm-hmm. The the no hope left. Yeah. That that seemed really neat. Um, but I can't even begin to think about Resident Evil Six. As I said, it's you know three quarters of the year away, and yeah. we've got Operation Raccoon City coming out in a month and a half. So. Yeah. Uh, that's where I'm really focused right now. Three Resident Evil games this year makes me a very happy man. But regardless of that, uh, we'll yeah. s- we'll start on with the questions. So first sure. question for you, Alison, is how did you get into voice acting? Was it a career choice or was it just something you enjoyed doing? Uh, it, it wasn't a specific career choice. It was part of the overall acting world. Um, I got an agent when I was 10 years old and started going on different auditions. One of the first auditions I went on was for a commercial. It was a voiceover for um, Alphabet Serial. And I I got that job. And then um, the following year, uh, one of the 
Yeah, it was just a year later. I was 11 years old. One of the auditions I went on was for Ewoks. <laughs> okay. And But I was doing other TV shows. I was doing live action stuff. I was doing stage, uh, regular commercials, movies of the week, uh, TV series. But the first cartoon I ever auditioned for was Ewoks because Nelvana, that made, they made the show. They were based in Toronto. They still are. Uh, and I got in... I got the job for the voice of Milani on Ewoks, and that kind of solidified my my animation opportunities because Nelvana, it was a very small company back then, very family atmosphere. Once you were in, it was people were really, really tight. And there wasn't the same number of kids in the industry as there are nowadays. Um, so being 11 years old and getting some cartoon voice work experience under your belt really made you uh, a hot commodity okay. as Nelvana started to do better and better and their property started to grow and and we had other companies um, from the United States coming up here like Deke um, uh, Saban a bunch of others it was um, it was a great chance for me to get a lot of exposure to voice work so I again I was still doing live action at the same time okay. but it just it was all part of my overall career okay so uh, with you having to say it there that you worked on Ewoks you, uh, you also worked on the Care Bears something my sister used to love as a kid <laughs> um, what stood out for you the most being on this two, these two shows obviously with you saying that Ewoks you were very very young there so what stood out for you the most on these two shows well, working on Ewoks, I to be honest, it was the fact that it was the Ewoks. It was a George Lucas cartoon. I mean, I was a, a huge fan, still am, of Star Wars. So being a kid and getting to work on something that was that big and almost like otherworldly uh, was incredible. It, it was just a, a dream come true, and I made a lot of friends. People, there were people that I worked with on Ewoks that I still work with today. Um, John Stalker, who was also in Care Bears and a bazillion other cartoons, he still voice, he still does voices for cartoons, but he also directs now, and we have a great working relationship. So, um, just long-term friendships. Okay, brilliant, brilliant. Um, Obviously, then we move on, and you became the voice of Jubilee in X-Men. So what was the interview process like for X-Men? Were you there to audition for the part of Jubilee, or were you there for another character entirely? Well, we should back that up a little bit, because prior to Jubilee and the X-Men, I worked on Beetlejuice for a number of years. We did close to 100 episodes of that show. Wow. And um, most of the episodes for Beetlejuice were done for Fox, Fox Kids. Mm-hmm. And the producer at the time for Fox Kids was a man named Sidney Iwanter. And we finished Beetlejuice in December of, gosh, oh my goodness, what year was that? 1990? Okay. 91. 1991. Okay. And uh, March, April was when X-Men was starting up. So in March, I think it was, February, March, I went in to audition for the X-Men, and 
I will admit, I had no idea what the X-Men was. I was when I went to audition for Lydia for Beetlejuice. That was a totally different story. I was obsessed with the Beetlejuice movie. I, that was me. I was, I was this super pale, glow in the dark because I was fish belly white kid. With, um, you know, I loved black. I loved all things goth and dead. I grew up being obsessed with vampires from the age of six and um, loved creepy crawly things and thought that. It's funny how that and Resident Evil kind of tie in together. Yeah, it's true. It's true. It goes full circle. Um, and yeah, I mean, as a kid, I just I found animals and and other things far more interesting than most people. Um, so uh, going into audition for Lydia, it was like, yeah, this is me. You can't, you know, this is, you need to cast me because I, this is me. <laughs> like, there's no chance you can't give this to anybody else. Um, and then with X-Men, it was a completely different thing. So imagine poor Sydney Iwanter, the producer from Fox, who had listened to my voice day in and day out on Beetlejuice for the last three, four years. And now he had this new cartoon coming out, X-Men, which was a huge passion of his. He worked so hard to get that show greenlit and to bring the writers on board and to really make it what it was. Um, and I don't think the fans out there really know how much credit Sydney deserves for that show being as good as it was. Right. But the whole time that the auditions were going on, a lot of the same team was being used uh, for X-Men that had been on Beetlejuice. We had the same voice director, casting agent, um, the same recording studio, a lot of the voice actors who had been on Beetlejuice because they were they had a lot of experience and the, the team liked them. They were brought in for, for X-Men to audition. But I, when I went in to audition for X-Men, they were very clear. They're like, this, you can't sound like Lydia. She's She's tough, she's streetwise, she's, um, she's had a really hard life. We have to hear that in your voice. And I had spent the last four years of my life sounding like Lydia, so, you know, I was like, I don't know what you want. So I left. I didn't get the part. Right. I did not get the part of Jubilee. Um, because during the casting, Sydney was saying, I don't care who you cast for this voice because there were so many people arguing over who it should be, who it shouldn't be, blah, 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 blah. He said, I don't care who you go with as long as it is not Allison Court. Because <laughs> he was like, I can't listen to her voice anymore. I just can't do it. I can't do it. And so, that's, so I didn't get the part. And then they cast it. They started to record. I knew nothing about it. I got a call from my agent, like, 8 o'clock at night one night and she said okay look can you be at Sounds Interchange tomorrow morning 8.30 in the morning to record this and she said you're coming in to replace somebody it's not working out um, blah 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 and I was like yeah okay sure so I got there not knowing what had gone on not really understanding the full context and there was Sydney, there was Joe Calamari from Marvel, we had um, Scott Thompson.
Thomas was up from Saban. We, it was such a full office, and everybody had some, something to say and wanted to add their two cents. Plus, we had a voice director. Um, <laughs> but it was, yeah, it was crazy how many people were involved in this show. But every time I would open my mouth to say a line, Sydney would be there screaming, No, you sound like Lydia. Do it again. <laughs> it was brutal. Man, he ripped me apart for the first, I'd say, the first five recording sessions. But it was fantastic because if he hadn't done that, I probably wouldn't have been able to do any other voice. He had to really break me of my habits, the habits that I'd gotten into for doing the voice of Lydia. <laughs> so it was a good thing that he did that to me, and um, I'm very appreciative of that. And now we're very good friends. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. I'm glad it turned out well in the end. Uh, my my friend Jimmy McCrory, he's a big X-Men fan, and he wanted me to ask you what you thought of Jubilee's powers. Considering the likes of Wolverine could heal and Storm could conjure all the weather and stuff, and Jubilee was basically just, you know, if it was the 4th of July, the fireworks could go off, you know, and she would be the best in the world. But what did you think of her, her superhero powers? Um, <laughs> wow, that's a little, I don't know, I'm not sure that that's a fair question. When you're up against someone like Wolverine, who's practically, uh, yeah. you know, immortal from his, he's got so many powers, it's almost over the top. I Not over the top, because I think Wolverine's fan, fantastic. But um, did Jubilee draw the short end of the <laughs> Maybe a little, but I always enjoyed that she, you know, she didn't necessarily play by the same rules either. Mm-hmm. When when we were doing the cartoon and I was voicing her, she was certainly younger than the rest of the people. She had more of a sassy attitude. So what she lacked in um, awesome uh, mutant powers, she more than made up for in her attitude and mouthiness, I think. <laughs> okay. That was well answered, well answered, good job, good job. So, X-Men is adored some 20 years later by fans like ourselves, so what have you, what did you take away from that experience? Do people still come up to you and say, oh, I loved you in X-Men, and, you know, um, has that make your, has that made the recording process in, like, Resident Evil a lot easier for you? Um, I wouldn't say it made the recording process for Resident Evil easier, because it's video games, um... Very different approach to how we record that. Uh, when we made X Men, it was a hard record. It was it was a difficult um, atmosphere because there were so many people uh, really really concerned about the authenticity of what we were doing um, and so careful to stay true to the fans, but at the same time understanding that it was a different medium. Like it was always this this really fine finessing of, a, of an invisible yet so crucial balance um, that it was, it was a very daunting task, those recording sessions. But as, as difficult as they were, what I have taken away from the X-Men experience is that they did it right. Mm-hmm. And I would say they are one of the few examples of turning um, a, a comic book property into well certainly uh, a cartoon um, yeah. 
But in general, when taking a comic book and putting it into any other form, um, I think they really got it right with that cartoon. And more modern day reinventions of it, I don't think they got it right. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm not, I'm not a fan of the, the later versions. No, um, I would say that that one that you worked on was probably my favorite. X-Men and around the same time the 1999 was probably the best Spider-Man mm-hmm. cartoon as well so I yep. think they hit the nail on the head with both of them yeah okay, <laughs> okay. yeah I hope that answered your question no no that's fine that's fine so you provided the voice for one of the characters in my favourite video game of all time Resident Evil 2 yes. um, was the recording process obviously different from X-Men but how did it differ for you well, for one thing, the scripts made no sense. <laughs> this pile of script um, showed up in a package at my house, and there was no rhyme or reason because, I mean, yes, if you understood how video games were made and you looked at it, then you would understand what was going on. But the scenes didn't, they, they didn't go in a linear way. Okay. So it was really confusing to try to understand what was going on, and I'd be reading through it. And I'm like, but he just died in that scene. What? What? Huh? Wait. And hold on. Isn't this the same scene that we just recorded? But oh, wait. One thing is slightly. I don't understand why there's only one difference here. And and it was just wrapping my head around what it all meant was was very strange. But it, it was kind of like a light switch going on. Once I understood it, then it was piece of cake. Okay. Um, and we recorded for several days, a whole bunch of it. Then the clients from Japan went back to Cap- Capcom and continued to work on the game. And then almost everything got changed, which happens a lot for video games. I think maybe not as much nowadays. They've got a different process mm-hmm. and a different um, order of how things happen. But back then, it was very common for whatever we had done in the beginning um, me, while we're recording stuff, things are already being changed in the production end because they're finding out, okay, this doesn't work, that doesn't work, models were changed, this, you know. So by the time you get things recorded and you get the, the gameplay put together, you realize none of this matches. So then they develop more of the game and then they would come back several months later to re-record a whole bunch of it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, before he, um, obviously whenever you um, appeared in Resident Evil 2 and you voiced Claire, had you played the first Resident Evil uh, game uh, before you started working on that? And ha- obviously you haven't played Raccoon City as yet, but have you played any of the video games that you've actually starred in? Oh yeah, I played Resident Evil 2. Um, so I, I didn't know Resident Evil the first game at all and when we recorded Resident Evil 2 I didn't know that it was Resident Evil 2 we weren't told the name of the game because as you know for confidentiality reasons um, mm-hmm. they didn't tell us they called it Adventure Game or something like that on our contracts even that's what it was right. <laughs> Adventure Game brilliant <laughs> yeah so um, we we recorded the game. I thought nothing more of it. Then when the ads started to come out for it, and I was at a convention, and I saw the booth where they were advertising it, and it suddenly dawned on me, wait, that's what I did. Oh, my goodness. And then people started, I started to hear 
buzz about this property. Mm-hmm. Um, that's when, I, of course, I got really excited and went out and my boyfriend at the time, he and I rented a console from Blockbuster, <laughs> got the game, came home and started to play it and we were scared <laughs> out of our minds. It was, it was crazy. Like, I don't know how long it took us to eventually go back into the, um, is it the interrogation room? You know when she goes in to the room and the liquor jumps through the glass? Yes. And you scream. Oh, yes, I remember that very well, yep. Yeah, yeah. We all scream, we pee our pants, our character dies, and then we, we have to go and try it again, right? But the second time you do it, like, you don't want to move. Because you know yeah. what's going to happen, or you think yeah. you know what's going to happen. Yeah, you kind of hold your breath, you know, I know what's coming, and then whenever it happens, you're like, it still scares me. Yeah, and then, but of course it doesn't happen at the same moment. The next time that you do it, it doesn't happen at the same moment. The timing is completely different. So it, they get you coming and going. And I remember it, we sat there for I don't know how many minutes saying, you do it, I'm not going to do it, you do it. No, like we, neither one of us wanted to take the controller and play because we were so scared of what was going to happen. Um, so I played Resident Evil 2. I played Code Veronica. Um, and when I say I played, I I died many times, and I had friends help me through it. But you I give it a good go, though. Sorry. You give it a good go, though. I gave it a good go, and I certainly observed it through. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then uh, we've got the Dark Side Chronicles. Mm-hmm. But I do not have a Wii, so I have to borrow it from actually I have to go over to somebody's house and play it I've watched I've watched people play it but I have not myself played it yet okay so Resident Evil 2 was the first video game that you voiced were you surprised by the popularity of the game and obviously the character of Clara Redfield who you voiced yes I was I was extremely surprised um, because I wasn't really familiar with the world or with um like it was, a, it was a very new idea. When I thought of video games, I thought of racing games or Donkey Kong or you know that kind of sports yeah. games, like a lot of yeah. sports games. Um, but this whole world of horror and almost almost delving into cinema, even the the early days of, of Resident Evil, were really pushing the the merging of video game and cinema. So it did blow my mind. I I had no idea what it entailed and thus the the response to it and the fans who already existed. Like it it was it was such an eye-opening experience and then it was really cool when we actually started to get reviews for our voice work as well. Okay. Um and that was really surprising. I remember when my it was my dad who started to find these reviews and send them my way saying, hey, did you see this or did you see that? Kenny Lee says that your voice is amazing and, and it's what sets the first game apart from this game. And Oh, and, yeah, because the first game is just so cheesy. It's not even and funny. That, and that's what started <laughs> out of the woodwork was everybody saying how this this really changed 
the direction of how video games would go and sort of pushed the envelope for voice acting. And then, of course, you had other games come after that and Metal Gear Solid and everything Mm -hmm. where, like, the voice acting was just really taken to another level. But um, I'm really happy that a lot of people credit Resident Evil 2 for being the starting point for that. Okay. Um, was there a particular character beside Claire in the game you enjoyed the voice of due to the actor portraying him? I know you said that Wesker was your favourite, but was he your favourite because of the actor who voiced Wesker? Well, that's, you know, it's probably a, a 50-50 thing. Richard Waugh did Wesker, and Richard's, he's amazing. you, you got to understand, he's... um. He's just a super lovely guy, but he can get, well, you know the voice. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. just so cool and cutting and um, dripping with sarcasm as well that it's, I think it's a fabulous voice. So the combination of the actor, the voice, and the character, what it was doing on screen, just really made him my favorite character. Okay, brilliant. Yeah. Okay, so two years later, uh, Resident Evil Code Veronica was released, and once again you picked up voicing Claire. And again, it was another terrific game, not with outstanding. Of course, it's a Resident Evil game, so it's going to be good. Um, what stood out more, voicing on Resident Evil 2 or Code Veronica? You know, was it kind of the same kind of procedure, or was it kind of you knew what to expect, have it done to what to expect in Code Veronica? Um, In Code Veronica, we did a lot more uh, partnered recordings. So I was often in the booth with one of the other actors, which was nice. Mm -hmm. Um, What else was different with Code Veronica? Uh, They originally recorded with somebody else in Japan. Most people don't know this. Okay. Um, The Claire voice was actually recorded by somebody else in Japan. Uh, I think a woman who probably does a lot of voice work in Japan because she's she's American, um, right. but moved there, so she would get a lot of localization work, right? Um, but my understanding is she had a really high, high voice. Okay. And after they recorded, um, a couple of the, the Capcom producers and translators just said, we can't, we can't do this. You need to. We we need to record with the original actor, and they fought really hard to bring the recording session back to Toronto. Okay. But they managed to do it, and I'm very thankful. <laughs> as, as are we. As are we. Um. Yeah, I remember b- being played a voice clip from the original recording, and her voice was up here almost. It was really <laughs> girly. Oh no, Chris! It, it was kind of like that. <laughs> I so, don't think I could have taken that game seriously if that had happened. Well, and also because you have other characters that you can have with that voice. But if you've already established Claire with a certain voice, and then as yeah. we as we got into Code Veronica, if anything, we pushed the maturity level on her. So it was really important when you had her as your main hero in a way throughout the game she needed to be strong so you couldn't go mini mouse with the voice i don't think (laughs) (laughs) well well put they knew and if anything i think you know having the early record session in japan at least it gave the animators 
and the, the game designers something to work with. So they mm-hmm. had her voice as a guide track, and then we were able to record my voice. So it probably helped out anyway. Okay. So obviously there's been live-action Resident Evil films, and then there was the CGI film of uh, Resident Evil Degeneration. Yeah. Uh, did you enjoy voicing that again, and also starring alongside the two people who voiced uh, Leon and Ingrid? Yes, um... Sorry, uh, what was the first part of the question? (laughs) Uh, Did you enjoy voicing Claire again and obviously doing a film this time instead of doing an actual game? Yeah, it was a big surprise. I mean, it had been so many years since doing the the last installment with Claire. I I was I was blown away that they'd come back with something and and that they were coming back to me to do the voice of Claire. So uh, it was great. I think the movie was a really wonderful way to get back into the Resident Evil world. Mm -hmm. Um, I thought it was a pretty good movie, actually. Oh, yes, yeah. Um, To be honest, it's probably better than the live-action ones, but then that was the case with Street Fighter as well. Yeah. (laughs) I've heard that from a lot of people. I'm a huge Mila fan, so it's... It's a tough call for me because I thought I thought De- Degeneration really was a, a fabulous movie, but I will also watch anything that Mila Jovovich is in. Oh yes, Fifth Element, for example, yeah. is fantastic. Yeah. Um. So y- yeah, yeah. You need to you need to see both. <laughs> <laughs> um. And the other great thing with um doing the, li- the sorry doing the movie was that uh, Mary Elizabeth. I'm trying to remember her last name but she's um, she's a really well known voice actor doesn't do much um, sorry she doesn't do much voice acting anymore she does a lot of directing now but she was the voice for Ghost in the Shell the original English version of Ghost in the Shell Um, I'm just going to look up her name for you here okay but the thing about working with her was she, first of all, I was in a studio in Toronto. They were in L.A. So I could only, I communicated with them. Mary Elizabeth McGlynn would it be? Yes, there we go. Thank you. Mary okay. Elizabeth McGlynn. Um, she's got such an incredible voice. So I would be in this little studio, it's just me and the engineer, and I've got these head, headphones on, and then Mary Elizabeth's voice is coming through over the over the headset and it's just this warm gentle but but gentle but strong voice mm-hmm. and she's because she's coming from an actor's background she she knows how to direct an actor she knows how to talk to an actor and really um finesse that necessary performance so that was a delightful treat working with her and then um after that, doing doing the uh, whatchamacallit game, the Dark Side Chronicles, I got to work mm-hmm. with Liam O'Brien and um, Stephanie. They they were also great because they had sort of grown up learning from Mary Elizabeth. Right. And so they she obviously trains really good voice actors and directors because it was a great treat working with them as well. Um, but the recording sessions were obviously a bit different doing the Degeneration movie. Mm-hmm. The movie had been made. It was all pretty much finished, and then I was just dubbing to it. Okay. 
So they had animated to the motion capture actors. Okay. Brilliant. Yeah. Okay. Um, obviously, we know that Operation Raccoon City is coming out uh, in March. Um, a friend of the show, Chris Carboni, would like to know that if Capcom came and asked you to voice Claire Redfield again, would you be there to do that? Absolutely. Absolutely. I love playing Claire, and more than that, I love the the fan world that it has exposed me to. Um, I've only done a handful of conventions, but they it's it's been delightful. Everyone I've met has been really, really kind and um, appreciative and insightful. So mm-hmm. I I've loved the the different opportunities that have been afforded to me from playing Claire. Okay. Um, well, on that there, you know, obviously you're going to conventions, you're hearing the fans' feedback um, mm-hmm. about the game and pivotal cutscenes and stuff. Would there be something that a fan has said that will stay with you for the rest of your life? <laughs> well, <laughs> the, the screaming part, for sure. <laughs> apart, for, apart from that one. A nice, a nice one, yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> Goodness, uh, you know, it's it's tough because with some of the other stuff that I've done, there there's been f- feedback. Like we, I have a uh, a show that I did for a number of years called The Big Comfy Couch, and I don't think you ever got it in the UK. But I've ne- I've ne- I'm not familiar with it. I'm afraid. Okay. So it played all over the different different parts of the world and very popular in North America. It was a kids show though, um, and I got a, there was obviously a lot of uh, very heartfelt feedback with that. But I think, um, well, there there would be two things I suppose. <laughs> One is I've heard from a couple of people, not a lot, um, but on more than one occasion. There, there's been an individual I've communicated with online who was fairly introverted, but it was their their love of Resident Evil that kind of made them seek me out. And I'll always respond to people, whoever you are, um, whatever your questions, you write me. I mean, if you're going to be rude and insulting, I might not. <laughs> That's understandable. Jump yeah. right to it and, and put you as a priority, but uh, no, I I always like to speak with people and and um, certainly give them feedback and acknowledgement for anything that they send my way. Uh, and there, with these individuals um, being fairly shy, introverted, uh, not prone to a lot of social outgoing engagements Um, but being able to talk with them online was wonderful because not only from me being invited into somebody's world that's kept so private like it was a very special privilege Mm -hmm. to be invited in and it's simply because they've heard my voice in a video game that they're willing to open up to me so you know you can't you can't take advantage of that or or be disrespectful for that kind of thing and uh, but also in a couple of cases there were people who were like feeling really cut off from the world and unloved and like what's the point and through 
just kind of playing through the game and, and sort of having something for distraction to get them through the tough times. I don't know if that makes sense, but they would... Yeah, kind of like something to switch off from reality. Yeah, so Resident Evil playing through Resident Evil 2 and Code Veronica, even all these years later, it's kind of their their comfort game. So when they're feeling bad, they'll go back and they'll put that on and kind of play through for a while and feel a little bit better. So between that and then being able to speak with me and just kind of open up about a few things, um, it was... It was a real privilege to be able to see the kind of effect that you can have on somebody just sort of make the day a little less crappy. Okay. You know? Like yeah. No, no I, know, I know what you mean. I know what you mean, yeah. But that's, that's nice that, you know, people can then do that and then associate you with that. So if they're having a bad day and that cheers them up, then in a sense you're kind of cheering them up as well. Yeah, I mean, I it would be... It would be very misguided for me to take all the credit. It's uh, <laughs> yeah. oh yeah, it's not just you voicing everyone. Yeah, that. I, yeah, I know that. <laughs> but just uh, that, some of the more I would say heartfelt fan feedback from Resident Evil specifically that will always stick with me. Okay. Um, with you saying earlier on that you're um, doing conventions and stuff, how is that whole experience working out for you? Um, is it? Um, a good experience and do you plan on actually doing more conventions um it's a tricky thing with me i'm i can be very outspoken uh when when it's a one-on-one situation but typically conventions and crowds on a whole i my natural instinct is to run the other way <laughs> i'm actually quite shy so i don't seek them out i don't I know that I should be. I'm a terrible business person. I'm terrible at self-promotion. <laughs> it's really, really bad. Um, but that's just the way I am. I can't help it, and I'm content with accepting the fact that I'm not going to be the most out there and on every billboard person because I'm not doing the promotion that is required for that kind of thing. Um, with conventions... Every time there has been a convention that I've been asked to go to, I have been sweaty-palmed and nervous and freaking out. And then I get there, and the people are lovely, and it's a fabulous experience. And I leave there thinking, this is amazing! Why don't I do this more often? And then, you know, a couple months pass, and then it's like, a convention? Oh, I don't think I could handle that. So it's... I, I know that when I get there, I'm going to love it, but yeah. I don't, yeah, I'm not driven for it. Okay, okay. Okay, what is your favorite memory of the whole Resident Evil experience? Um, you have a couple if that makes it easier. <laughs> wow. That's tough. That's that's really tough. I mean, because it spanned a generation now. And, I mean, technically, I have an eight-year-old son because of being involved in Resident Evil. Okay. <laughs> so, from a very personal <laughs> standpoint, I would say <laughs> the best thing about Resident Evil for me is my son. Okay. Um, that's- well, that's a, lo- that's a lovely thing to say. <laughs> I did not expect that to come out, so I didn't. No, 
No, I know it's it's there's so much personal stuff that went on with Resident Evil uh, throughout the years that it's um yeah there's a, there's a lot of stuff to delve into. <laughs> another okay. time, another interview. Okay. Uh, okay. so I got I got so many opportunities because I didn't just do the voice of Claire, um, but I got to direct. And mm-hmm. I I got to write. I got to direct the motion capture um, for for some of the the outbreak game. Um, so I I, also, I got a lot of opportunities to do things that I otherwise would not have tried to do. Okay. Um, I got to go to Japan. Uh, and then you know here we are, 2012. Um, I have a fabulous son who's about to turn nine. Um, and he's a direct product of my involvement with Resident Evil, but not like because he's jacked up on the T virus or anything. So. <laughs> <laughs> I certainly was not going to say that. No way in heck was I going to say that. Just avoid those questions right now. <laughs> um, but you know, seeing what Resident Evil has become. It's such a huge franchise and so many great things happening with it. And the fact that people out there still come and seek me out and and uh, appreciate the work that I've done, the relationship that I have with the fans so many years later, that's, that's one of the best memories for sure. Okay. And going on with what you just touched on there, it's almost like you're psychic with these questions. Um, do you have a message for your fans who've enjoyed your work throughout the years? A message for my fans. Um, thank you. I am truly grateful for your continued support. I hope that I can always voice Claire so long as you're interested in having Claire in the games and interested in having me voice her I am at your beck and call it's been a pleasure being part of your world brilliant okay and last question for you Alison is how do fans stay in touch with yourself and what is in the future for Alison Court Hmm. well the easiest thing is to find me on Twitter so I'm a courtroom. That's my Twitter name. Okay. But be warned. Okay, here's here's the hard part for people. When I started on Twitter, I wasn't going on for self-promotion or fan stuff or career stuff or anything like that. I am an avid, avid fan of politics. I love all political things, particularly Canadian politics, and I love American politics as well, but global stuff and technical stuff, scientific stuff, it's, it's all over the map. So um, anyone who's coming to find me on Resident Evil, for Resident Evil purposes and trying to find me on Twitter, just be warned, my tweets are not usually about Resident Evil stuff. They're usually about politics or something else that will likely drive you nuts. Okay. I find I find them quite informative because I'm nothing <laughs> nothing to new with a, a Canadian well, or American politics. And I politics. also I can be quite a potty mouse. Um, <laughs> yes, I don't. I tweet like nobody's reading. How about that? So I'm very opinionated, often rude, uh, and 99% of the time I'm putting my foot in my mouth. So 
<laughs> well, uh, thankfully you haven't done that in this interview, which is terrific. So, um, Alison, thank you so much for coming on. It's been a pure delight to sit down and talk to you about Resident Evil. Uh, I wish you all the best for the future, especially with uh, Raccoon City, Operation Raccoon City coming out. Yes, and right, the the second part of the question, what's coming up next? Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, there's me jumping the gun. I'm putting the foot in my mouth instead, so <laughs> carry on, sorry. Yeah, no, I, got, I have a couple of cartoons in the works right now, and I'll be tweeting about them um, a, a little bit more uh, in the next few weeks but I would say the main focus for the next little while is Operation Raccoon City I look forward to hearing from the fans what they think of the game um, hopefully we'll be able to get it set up so maybe I'll even be able to play some of you guys online uh, Xbox or PS3 will you be playing it for? I don't know we haven't decided yet we haven't okay. decided which way we're going to go um, yes yeah, this tends to be a PS3 household, you know, but I don't know. I've got friends in both camps. It's really, really tough. Do you go through <laughs> that? Do you have, like, warring I have options? I have an Xbox. I don't have a PS3. Okay. So that's why I'm hoping this Xbox will be like, oh, my God, I'm actually playing a Resident Evil game with Claire Redfield. This is quite surreal. Well, the thing <laughs> is, I have friends with both. So... I think we can probably make something work. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. That would be nice. That would be nice. That would be nice. <laughs> okay, so final message to the fans. Get Operation Raccoon City. Let me know your thoughts and tweet me so we can link up and, and play each other online. There we go. Okay, super. <laughs> Alison, once again, thank you so much. It's been brilliant to sit down and talk to you. Right, um, just you. stay on the line there uh, so we can get a couple of promotions from yourself. But just uh, once again, thank you so much. Pleasure. Thank you. Okay, so, so join us after the break when we'll be discussing more Resident Evil. Obviously, we've done number two, so now we're going to talk about Code Veronica. So join us after the break. You're listening to a podcast on PopCultureNetwork.com. Be sure to head on over to the site at www.PopCultureNetwork.com to check out more podcasts and videos featuring toys, comic books, video games, and all the things you love. And while you're there, be sure to check out the Pop Culture Network store, where everything you purchase helps to keep us producing. Just head over to PopCultureNetwork.com and click on Store. I'm James without Jesse, but still prepare for trouble. Make it double with Alan Price and Chris Vint on Operation Team Rocket. Oh, I mean Operation Retroshock. I'm blasting off again! So everybody, welcome back. I'm liking this, John. I'm liking this a lot. My name is not John. It is John. It is Alan. John. I am Alan, you are Chris, there are no John in here. Well, I don't even know, because he didn't really introduce us that well in the start, so... <sighs> Hello, after, so, in, after interview, I am Alan Price. So, John, what are we talking about? My name, not John. <laughs> yes, John. No, 
Dave. It Enrique. <laughs> Dave. <laughs> so, how did everybody enjoy that interview, eh? I enjoyed it a lot. He enjoyed it a lot as he turns away from the microphone. So you probably I'm got putting on Resident Evil Code Veronica. Jeez. So you probably got a I and then. I enjoyed it a lot, and I would like to thank Miss Gord for coming on and spending time with us and talking about Resident Evil. Oh bless! I think Chris is a little bit in love. <laughs> no, a little bit about it. <laughs> oh, it's an admission, everybody. It's an admission. So we are going to fire up the Xbox. And uh, this is going to be, is this going to be the HD remake, yes? Yes, it is. I don't want to hurt her eyes anymore, to be honest. Mm, that's true. There's Morden the Solarian on the television. Molar? Morden! Have you seen Molar? No, not Molar. Have you seen that? Check out upcoming demos, yay! And obviously with you having, or sorry, we're talking about Mass Effect 3 here. Obviously with you having Kinect, it shows you how it works with Kinect. Oh yes, I saw that trailer. So you can go like concussive shot and then I'll do that and he'll, stuff. He'll fire big concussive shots. Yes. Hurry up, fire up. What is it? Oh, there's a worm. Where's my games? You probably haven't had to try and find it since the dashboard update. There it is. So let's see how good these graphics are in comparison to what it would have been. Ah, oh dear, 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 dear. What was that? Ah, he's also got that out there. There we go. Resident Evil 5. Yes, thank you for uh, clarifying that. that up. So this was first released in February of 2000. Dramatic music. Explain to the people what's going on. Uh, I'm loading up Resident Evil. Wow, you're so insightful, Chris. Yes, well, I love the, all these noises because it's like whenever at uh, the second one, whenever you press like new game or whatever. So, oh, and you got feedback on your controller as well. And it just says Resident Evil, doesn't say two or anything. Yeah, blah blah blah. Yeah, skip that. This is a lot of nonsense. He skipped all the important informations. Supposedly his condition's fine. Don't set anybody on fire. No, no, Larson's here. You don't even have a gun yet. You have a weak, poopy knife. That looks like Lando. <laughs> Lando Calrissian helping you break out of jail. Mayor of Gotham. It's very, very hot up. There's no pills. Go on. Get out of here. Has he been bitten? Yep. You can see it in his stomach. I don't know. It might have been a special forces team. But in any case, this business... The one thing I don't like about this game is the way she moves. What are you saying? You're free to leave the complex. But you may as well know you have no chance of getting off this island. I have every chance. Go away. What are we on? Alcatraz? Yep. Oh, I see what you mean. The movement is awful. It's like her feet, you know, she walks from her knees down. Yeah, I always find it really hard to pick up this knife that's on the table. Then his face. 
This is going really successful right now. Why is it so hard to pick the knife up? Also, I press the right button, admittedly. <laughs> oh, so for like 10 years, Chris has been pressing the wrong button then. <laughs> I must say, for uh, HD uh, remake, it actually, the graphics aren't too bad. Yeah, it's. Um, there's a case of whenever we get outside and you see the. Oh, there's more of them. Um, whenever you see the the de the cutscene, cutscene looks a bit different. The color of it just doesn't look right. It looks a bit um, almost whitewashed. Would you see whenever I go upstairs? Dramatic stairs shot. Yeah, and plus that vibrates to do with her heart. Ah, oh, very good. I would just hurry up and go up the stairs. That's annoying me. Is she gonna get electrocuted? No, not. Suitcase and burning zombies. Right, so you can see here that you know zombies come out of there and you can see that there's a little bit of a cutscene kind of. Yeah. And it doesn't look too bad, but mm -hmm. it's See, it's a lot darker, or a lot. You yeah, know, it's a lot more. Looks like there's a lot more fog or something around it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. It's a wee bit of an odd one, I must say. Maybe they haven't been able to get something done just as right as they wanted to. Oh, munchy munchies. Okay, okay, that's enough. Okay. <laughs> there we go. She can. She can die now. She's dead. She's not. Chris killed it at her. Don't tell lies. Radio. Before it goes up to BBC Ulster or something. <laughs> you have to be subjected to absolutely bad. Like lesser it. spotted Ulster. Uh, look it up, everybody. It's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> it really is. Right. So, the plot, or the back of the box, even. <clears throat> After an hourly surviving the horrific onslaught in Raccoon City, Claire Redfield now seeks clues in search of her missing brother, Chris. Not me. To her horror, she discovers <laughs> umbrellas, corporations, insidious activities are not just insulated to the remote Midwestern city, and that evil has spread. Flesh-eating zombies and horrific beasts haunt Claire's every move. Huge area to explore bre bigger than all previous Resident Evil adventures. Unlock hidden games and game modes, battle mode, first person mode, play as hidden characters. Lovely. Yep. There's always hidden characters or some sort of extra characters Look in Resident spider. Evil. Don't like spider. Scary. And this is the first game as well that you... I think this is the first game? Hold on, let me think. It's the first game that you actually had a, a weapon for each hand because you could get like a submachine gun kind so of thing. First game you could dual wield? Yeah. But you couldn't do like a handgun and a machine gun, it, it was both the same. But it took up two spaces as well. So the main plot device is that Claire is going to find her brother. Yep. Mm -hmm. Where though? Gay old Paris? No, not Paris. Yes. What? There's an umbrella facility in Paris. No, it wasn't going there though. Panay was closed down due to the 
being stinky stinks. Judith being stinky stinks. Well, I've got that. Not very good. She can talk about that in a wee while. I don't even know what's on it. <laughs> so. Oh, I actually have something else. Hold on. Flip's sake, he can't help himself. You carry on talking. Show off here, everybody. As well, soon I as I bring this in, you'll say, oh, yes, I remember that. All oh, right, okay. So, yes, once again, I am left on my own. <laughs> I'll give you a quick update, everybody. So. What? What has he done? I heard noise. All oh, right. What the hell? Why does he look like Terminator? <laughs> Terminator baby leg. What? Whoa. Electronics boutique. This <laughs> <laughs> game tried... The box tried to jump out of my hands. Butterfingers. So. Wesker's report classified data. Or data. Whatever way you want to pronounce it. I'll actually put that on. Once I finish recording, I'll put that on. Take a walk with Albert Wesker on this exclusive DVD as he delves into the mysteries and city. Uh, here as well. I was in this mansion. <laughs> a mansion monster came out of me. And I put my sunglasses on and I just pooped off. <laughs> Insidious plots surrounding the Resident Evil series and gives an insight into the history of one of video games' biggest franchises. Franchises. You're talking about France again? <laughs> franchises. Uh, special DVD features include the exclusive DVD featuring the Wesker Report, previously only available in Japan, with a limited edition 5th anniversary release of Biohazard. Language, subtitled French German. <laughs> oh my lord. And this was back when game was part of Electronics Boutique and had the green triangle <laughs> in the A. Oh my lord. That had to be yonks ago. Because I remember game was still like that when red and blue Pokemon first came out in the UK. So that is absolute yonks ago. Yeah, so we'll put that on later on. I'm not sure whether I could take the subjection to the torture. Well, how long does it last for? It doesn't even say. I'm sure it doesn't <laughs> Probably last Probably five long. minutes. My call for your nearest game store. Call 0870-750-2747. Bring it. Let's go. Let's see. This is extremely oh, random. Oh, sorry, sorry, love. I laugh if it's still the game hotline. <laughs> see, put phone up to microphones. I know. Loudspeakers. Let's see. Will it ring? Oh. <laughs> Welcome to Gay Hotline. <laughs> Hello, what? It's still the games. Okay, where you can also find details of your nearest door. Okay. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> it's still active! Oh my lord! Incredible! Oh my god, I was not expecting that! <laughs> still the active phone number! <laughs> Is our store on it? Probably not, if it's an old number. Oh, let's not give them the phone number, even though they can look oh, it up online. That anyway. was sorry, that's actually helped make the night a wee bit. Alright, it won't be. Do you want me to see if we could do an electronic boutique store? <laughs> and see if it goes to game? Uh, let's see. Sorry everybody, humorous here for a second, this is quite fun. Let's see now. This is going to be electronics boutique? Oh, oh denied! Doesn't work. Electro electronics, it's just yeah. We take no longer here. 
ebuk.com because that's what the game website used to be game.uk.com which was absolute stupidest <laughs> fucking website address ever in histories right okay we'll get back to the subject matter and I apologise everybody we just had to humour ourselves there I can't believe that number still works uh, right okay Code Veronica was developed by Capcom Production Studio 4 in collaboration with NetX and Sega Sega um, project supervisor was Yoshiki Okamato he officially announced the game for Sega's Dreamcast console on October 2nd, 1998. Although Code Veronica was described by its developers as the genuine sequel to Resident Evil 2, it is not a numbered entry in the Resident Evil series. Okamato explained this decision with the team's intention to use numbers for the games on the PlayStation and the names and names on other video game systems. Uh, Code Veronica was originally planned to be published in April 99, but was postponed to the end of the year. It was eventually released in Japan on February 23rd, 2000. The Japanese version of Code Veronica contained two difficulty settings, easy and very easy. Okay. In addition to the default normal setting uh, found in the American and PAL versions. So obviously it's a case of some people in Japan aren't very good at video games. <laughs> and they had to have a very easy option. Um, it says here the very easy option. The player starts off with a rocket launcher <laughs> um, and an unlimited supply of ink ribbons. Uh, there were two versions of the original... Oh, ink ribbons are what you used to see of on the typewriter. Um, there were two versions of the, on the original Dreamcast release in Japan. Uh, standard version and limited edition. The limited edition came packaged with a red slipcase and features a different title screen with Wesker's face visible in the background. What? So you're actually paying for a special edition just to have a different background? That's a bit rushed. What the hell? Do we not have that? Or was that in the second one that Wesker's face popped up in the middle? I can't remember. <laughs> what can I? I'm funny feeling it was that one though. On the yeah. Well, I would assume so because it's the same game, so they've maybe just decided in the HD remake to have his face. Pop up. <laughs> so yes, again, this is another one that had multiple re-releases. Um, PlayStation Two. <laughs> Steve Burnside. Where's that name? Ring a bell. Probably thinking of like the bill or something. The probably you're probably right. Not that I watched the bill or anything like that. <laughs> you probably did. Um, so it was released in the PlayStation Two in two thousand one, the GameCube in two thousand and three, which is the one Chris has in his hands right now. Oh, hints and tips. <laughs> no. Okay, fine. Ring the hints and tips. No line. way. It's a point a minute. <laughs> it's probably not even there anymore. Oh. Uh, I don't think you could dial nine oh six numbers on, on mobile. No, I don't think so. I think you're right. I'll keep talking while you dial. Uh, Hello, Domino's. I know, Domino's Pizza. The GameCube version is almost identical in terms of gameplay. The only major difference being uh, having to find a serum for Claire. No, it doesn't work. <laughs> no. If she is poisoned by the Nosferatu battle, <laughs> and she is rescued with Chris in the mansion, where they later fight Alexia for the first time. Also feature nine minutes of additional cutscenes, spliced in from the main game, with mild graphic changes. Exciting, but obviously the one that we had on the television was just recently the remastered versions of Veronica X and Resident Evil Four also was done. Yeah. Uh, which one, in your opinion, do you think was remastered better? Um, lots good, but again, it's their whole movement thing. Um, the movement was terrible. It's just a bit clunky looking. Resident Evil Four, obviously, Resident Evil Four is one of the best games like you'll ever play it was one of the ones that went for um, 
whatever it came out and people were looking and you were like game to play if you play Resident Evil 4 no play that and I've yet to have anyone come back and tell me that game was terrible yeah um, you know the way sometimes you'll you yeah. say to people and they go like no nah, I didn't like it or no nah, I thought it was rubbish or yeah I thought it was alright they were like oh I thought that game was brilliant mm-hmm. really really enjoyed it um, but yeah I thought Resident Evil 4 was done a heck of a lot better than go for one like it looks nice don't get me wrong I mean it's not a pa- not a patch on um Resident Evil 2 you know the way that's so so dated now unfortunately yeah. whereas Code Veronica I think on the Dreamcast still looks you know like it just looks a little bit better it's not like it's the first Resident Evil uh, on the Gamecube and then Resident Evil on the Playstation it's not that kind of variation yeah. in my opinion hmm um, it says here also that uh, lies <laughs> there's no lies um Darkside Chronicles, which was the on-rail shooter on the Wii, yeah, uh, based around the events of two and Code Veronica, but plot details were changed. See, I haven't played this one on the Wii, so I wouldn't know what I what it references. I got it whenever one. it came out, but to be honest with you, I find that the gun aspect was a bit annoying because you had to keep pressing the A button, mm-hmm. and if you have your gun there and your remote on top, mm-hmm. then you've got your hand, oh, so you you're doing, your hand up and round, yeah. That, so it's more annoying than anything. So I think again, the controls for that were a bit, um, a bit up the left. You know, mm-hmm. you should have just made it a straight on rail shooter like he did with um, Ghost, Re- uh, Ghost Recon, uh, Ghost Squad, or House of the Dead. Mm-hmm. I'll just leave it like that. That's understandable. That's understandable. Um, obviously, there's also there was, what was it uh, Resident Evil Survivor Two Code Veronica. It says here, Gun Survivor 2 Biohazard Code Veronica in Japan. That's the one that you could play online on the PlayStation 2. No, no sorry, that was Resident Evil Outbreak. Mm-hmm. Um, it says, uh, it's a sequel to a previous game, Resident Evil Survivor. The arcade version runs on the Dreamcast-based uh, Naomi arcade hardware. Gun Survivor 2 has no bearing to the plot of Code Veronica. And the events of the game are actually depicted as a dream of Claire's um, mind at the end of the game. So it's like, this game takes place as a dream at the end of Veronica that's confusing um, no but there was uh, Resident Evil Outbreak which was kind of one you played online but the, you, like, you saw there how quickly that door opened yeah. and then you went my god it must have taken like about 30 seconds or 45 seconds to open the door so if you have the room here and you have three doors either side then it's eased up a lot of your time but that was mm. when you needed like the modem and all that caper for your so PS2 it, so it was nearly as slow as slow as Duke Nukem was when it came out here on Xbox. I don't know, I've never played Duke Rubbish. Duke Nukem took about a minute to a minute and a half between loading screens. <laughs> it was unreal. Now I'm a Duke Nukem fan and I enjoyed the game for what it was but my lord, some things were bad. <laughs> um, so, we shall go to the scores, the judges scorecards. Seven? <laughs> I know, I think you'll probably read it a wee bit higher than seven. Mm. Uh, we shall see everybody. Uh, the Dreamcast version of the game garnered many extremely positive reviews. IGN gave it a 9.2, GameSpot giving it a 9.5, GamePro giving it a 4.5 out of 5. Uh, the updated release code running at X fared well, garnering 9 out of 10, 4.5 out of 5. GameCube, GameCube version garnered unfavorable reviews due to its unaltered ported status. Xplay gave the GameCube version 1 out of 5. Jeez. Somebody didn't like it much then. <laughs> yep. Uh, in Game Informer's Top 100 Games of All Time, it was ranked at 69th. <laughs> 69. Uh, in Why two- is that funny? 
I don't know. It's just funny numbers. Oh, it's because it's from Bill and Ted, isn't it? Ah, uh, yes. 69, dude! <laughs> yes. Uh, in 2011, Game Informer gave the HD re-release an 8.5. That's not too bad. Um, one fan commented, I love the sense of, an, of accomplishment that comes from completing a challenging classic survival horror game. Uh, Resident Evil Code Veronica HD rewards players armed with patience, resourcefulness and plenty of ink ribbons with a harrowing but memorable trek through the series' heyday. Um, HD was apparently, according to them, vividly gory. That's a nice two-word summary, isn't it? Yep. And it has sold nearly three million copies worldwide. So nowhere near Resident Evil 2, but still a reasonable amount of copies. Yeah. So, your rating would be... My rating would probably be a 7.5 slash 8. Um, this and Resident Evil 3 are probably two of my least favourite Resident Evil titles. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that includes all of them. Uh, I don't know what it is about Resident Evil 3, but I just couldn't get into it at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but with this here, um, I just... I like it, don't get me wrong, but playing it, you know, between... Getting, if I had to make a choice of getting the HD remake of this and Resident Evil 4, Resident Evil 4, 4 would win hands down every mm-hmm. time. Um, speaking of which, hold on. As he goes to the iPhone, the centre of all knowledge in the universe. Let's see now, what have we got here? We've got video, Capcom and stuff. That looks very well. Pitchforks and zombies, lovely. Actually, a mobile edition. No, that's what you're. That's what you've got in your hand. Oh, I didn't know that was actually a game. Yeah, it's an actual game. Cool. There, I'll be there and see what you think. That's right. Put your hands around. <laughs> I have to put my hands around the microphone. Start game. Okay. What? Uh, for mission select screen, you can go back and change. No, I'm okay. Thank you. I'll have to spin that across there. No, it's got the noises. Basic training. What oh, sexy ladies? Ashley Graham. Aha, here we go. I must say, those graphics are pretty cool. That's also your the, movement there. For like that being on a handheld device, like that is very, very good. There you go. Just whenever I was looking for the apps on um, on my iPhone, then that there came up. I was just like, oh yeah, I could just download that again. So that's what I did. Nice one, nice one. So I think that's it for Code Veronica X. We shall go to our final break, everybody, and then we will come back and we'll talk about just a few random Resident Evil things. But more importantly, we will be talking about the future of the series. More importantly, Operation Raccoon City and Resident Evil 6. Will it be a reboot? Will it be a reinvention? Let's see you after the break. Bye. Hey guys, I'm Rob Bass from Not Mitten Box. And you're with Chris Vint and Alan Price. And this is... 
Operation Retroshock, only on the Pop Culture Network. Hi, this is Larry Cady, the voice of Lionel from Thundercats. You're listening to Alan Price and Chris Vint on Operation Retroshock. Thunder, 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 Thundercats. Oh! Hey, this is Chris Jericho and Fozzie. You're listening to Operation Retroshock with Chris and Alan, the sexiest beast in the UK. Besides me, of course. I'm Eric Stewart, singer-songwriter and the voice of Brock and James from Pokemon. You're listening to Alan and Chris on Operation Retroshock. Hi there, this is Shane Weber, voice of Scott Tracy here from Thunderbirds. You're listening to Chris and Alan swapping stories and uh, dialogue on Operation Retroshock. So stay tuned. You never know what you're going to hear. Well, hey, kids, it's me, Townsend Coleman, and you probably know me better as the voice of Michelangelo from the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And you, right now, are with Chris and Alan on Operation Retroshock. Cowabunga! Dudes. Hi, this is Allison Court, better known as Claire Redfield, and you are listening to Chris and Alan on Operation Retroshock. Hi, everybody. This is Laura Summer from Real Ghostbusters. You're listening to Chris and Alan on Operation Retroshock. Bioorganic weapons are a global threat. You start working with the rest of the world about the Raccoon City, Raccoon City incident. Assuming my desire to reveal the I'm going to tell them everything. I've always valued your friendship, Leon. Wherever you are. It's the president! It's all my fault. I... I did this. What are you talking about? 90% of the population in Tall Oaks has been infected with the virus. That runs out to about 70,000 hostiles. Yeah. This is Raccoon City all over again. You want to tell me what's in there? It's better if I show you. I can't keep running away. To face the truth, accept responsibility. HQ to Alpha Team, no change to your mission. Suppress the bioterror outbreak while proceeding to Point Ace of Spades. Alpha to HQ, this is worse than we thought. We need backup. It's regenerating. All right, first things first. Over 200,000 up front. Another 200 when this is over. Over the BOWs, those are extra. Much better off as a mercenary. I'm not gonna let anything happen to you. The world needs you. No, no, not me. Just my blood. Well, the world can have it. As long as someone ponies up the dough. What she's done to us. How many of our men are dead because of that bitch? I'm right there with you, Captain. But your personal vendetta isn't gonna get us anyway. Uh, 
Resident Evil 6. And welcome and back, everybody, to our final part of this Resident Evil episode. And unplanned, but nonetheless, we are joined by Luke, a.k.a. GameFestoria. Hello, Luke. Hello. Hello. Yes, I'm here as well. Just Alan decided not to say we are. It just said I am. So, yeah, thanks for that, Alan. Yeah, well, you are going to leave, so, you know. Well, whatever. Yeah, so, uh, we're, what, we're here. To, why is Luke here? Um, not that I mind, but I'm just wondering why he's here. What are we talking about? What are we doing? I'm here to break up your domestic, Anna. Oh, you're here to add to it, more like. Oh, right. You okay. and your ways. Oh, ways? <laughs> yeah. Ooh. I was going to say sult- sultry ways, but then I thought, that sounds too kinky. So, uh, yeah, Resident Evil. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, that makes more sense. Okay, Have you just muted your microphone? Oh, I hate this. Well, I can I'm, a, hear you. I'm a back now, yeah? Yeah, you're back now. Yeah, you're back. The computer completely just decided to turn the entire microphone off. Okay. <sighs> so, we'll, s- <laughs> we'll start with Operation Raccoon City then. Okay. <laughs> Without any more computer issues, please. We've had enough of those. Well... Obviously, we all experienced this for the first time at GameFest in September time. Um, Chris, what stood out for you first and foremost? Uh, That this was just an awesome game, and the fact that we crashed it twice uh, was pretty funny. Uh, But just playing a different side of Resident Evil and playing a four-player co-op game instead of playing either a two-player co-op game or not being co-op at all, but being Umbrella instead of being the good guys and seeing like the start Leon and Claire very much like obviously because it's set in Resident Evil 2 timeline that's where that all factors in so kind of we've seen like the intro Resident Evil 2 in uh, HD graphics but shame that the whole game of Resident Evil 2 is not in HD because it's just awesome <laughs> Luke? Almost the same uh, I, I was really impressed with the fact that we're going back to like Resident 2 Resident 3 and um, kind of going away from the ooze and getting back into zombie style to be honest it's uh I've missed it so, yeah, quite. yeah definitely because that's, that's what everybody's been going on about is that we want to go back to the zombies and obviously this is granting us that wish um graphically it's outstanding in my opinion it's it's really 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 good um not only the cutscenes but the in-game graphics as well um the multiplayer does look pretty awesome and as you mentioned Chris we did destroy the machines not once but twice yeah we Alan and I one each yep um, luckily enough though it allowed us to uh, have another 10-15 minutes play on the thing yeah, it's, yeah, it's, that's, that so it's not too much to be complained good, yeah. about um, <laughs> but obviously it's not long until this is out it's out in March time February in Japan um what do you think is going to be the bigger seller, this or Resi 6, Chris? No, Resi 6 will be, because this isn't this isn't really a true, it's not that it's not a true Resident Evil game, but that's just like saying what's going to sell, you'd be better saying what's going to sell this, this or Resident Evil Revelations, because it's kind of like, almost like a side note on Resident Evil. Mm-hmm. It's like if you were to have... Um, 
I don't know, if you, you were to have Metal Gear, if you were to have the Metal Gear Peace Walker, which isn't really Metal Gear 5, you know, I can do that. Um, it's just a case of that. I think Resident Evil 6, because uh, obviously it's out near Christmas time, this is out two weeks after Mass Effect, so whether, you know, I hope it does good numbers, and I hope that um, Luke gets it for Xbox so we can all play online. <laughs> Well, I, you see, I think Capcom have really shot themselves in the foot, though, with the announcement of Resi 6, because they just should have waited until after Raccoon City had at least come out, because they've got it just, it's the, in my eyes, it's the worst kind of marketing you can do when you're going to release something like this. If you've got, you know, like you said, it's slightly a spin-off from the main series. It's a game that maybe hasn't had as much press as it could have done, and they've gone and you know they've gone and announced one of the, the biggest games that's going to be of this year of Resi Six. So I think they're going to hinder themselves because I think people are going to look at it and go, "Yeah, but I might just wait for Resi Six with this one." Well, they mm. may just go for the 3DS and just start getting some revelations on the go. Yeah, and I just think that it's too much in the pot for for a year of too much of the same. And it's kind of one of them. I mean, I'm looking forward to it, and I'll get it just simply for the fact of going back and. There's that kind of for for us who've played, you know, two and three on the PS1. You know, there's yeah. that aspect there of us wanting to go back and going into it. But if you think for kind of the newer players, that uh, you know, maybe the PS2, Xbox kind of generation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, I just don't think there's going to be a massive amount there that's going to pull them back. You know, especially with the fact that, like I said, Resident Evil Six is out, Mass Effect's out two weeks before. You know, there's some good titles coming out in Q2, Q3, and I don't know, I think on a marketing or publishing side, they may, they may have just shot themselves in the foot with this one. I, th- I think it's because this year will still be a case of, isn't it April, that their new tax year starts? Uh, it's the new financial yeah. year starts in April, yeah. Yeah, so this will still roll over to 2012 financial year, and so will Resi 6, but I think it's a case of because you have such a big gap there, I mean, we've been waiting for like a Resident Evil game for so long since Resident Evil 5 and now we've got a case of we've had revelations at the end of January then we're having Raccoon City at the end of March and then we have this at the end of November so I mean you're going to have plenty to play to tide you over um, until 6 and it's just come out that that game I can't even remember what it's called Uh, hold on I find out what one is it you're thinking about no hold on no subscriptions. Uh, I upload uh, the Dragon's Dogma. Um, that's oh, going to yeah. be a case that people like myself are just going to buy that because you get the access to the Resident Evil Six demo sixty days before anyone else. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's kind of like Zone of Enders, Metal Gear Solid Two. People are just going to buy it for that. Yeah. Um, the thing I think might happen here with Raccoon City is it's, it looks like it's going to be a really good game, but I could see it being one of these ones that people buy, you know, just to keep them going until something else comes out. Because obviously, you know, if this is the, you know, sort of tail end of March, you have Mass Effect two weeks prior, but then in April time towards the end, you have Prototype two coming. Oh, so yes. I could, so yes, that is definitely my agreement as well. Um, <laughs> I could see people getting this, and then the sort of the thing that game are doing with their whole trading. You know, only cost you five or thing. I could see people trading it and then going for the likes of Prototype Two. I could see it being a yeah. very high trading title. No, 
No, you're just disagreeing yeah. completely. Yeah, just for just for fun. Yeah, no. Just for being awkward. Yeah. <laughs> no, I can't see it being like a Gears because Gears of War three was traded in, in vast numbers. I can't see it being that. I can see it being one that a lot of people will hang on to just because of the multiplayer aspect, and that's the only thing that I can maybe see people hang on to it for is because at the minute there's a real lack of true online multiplayer four-player co-op games. I mean, can you mm. name any four-player co-op games that have come out last year? Mm. With proper story modes, not really. Look, no. can you? No, not really. Not if it's worth a mention. <laughs> but no, definitely see, with I, proper story modes or anything like there's nothing. Yeah. I can see this going the way of Final Fantasy thirteen. though. That's why I think right. it's going to happen. This is going to be a, a £15 on-the-shelf in-game job within the first couple of months. I reckon the price is just going to plummet. Mm. Um, that's what I reckon it's going to be. I reckon it's going to have a, a, a medium sort of sales from from launch, and then I think it's just going to trickle down. And it's just going to go the same way as kind of you, the FS13. You that's think it's going to you think it's going to end up a wee bit like Rage is at the moment? Oh yeah, what's Rage now with Tenor new? I think it was yeah, I think it was like twelve quid the other week. So you know, yeah. and it's, that, that's an awesome game. Mm. But it's yeah, I just see this going kind of the same way. But I don't see Resi Six going this way. I reckon Resi Six will stay, you know, on the high end of the charts for quite a while. Well, but, especially yeah, at, at Christmas time, that's when it's really going to make it stew. Definitely, yeah. I think so. Yeah. Um, the thing is, I don't think the ten pound or fifteen pound aspects is going to. You shouldn't put you off the game because it, it's awesome. You know, from what we've seen anyway from Game Fest, it's an awesome game. And um, it's just a shame that it doesn't have kind of as much press as. Yeah, it would have been nice to it for it to have had, you know, to kind of reach out into the other markets. But we'll we'll see how it goes anyway, can't we? No, definitely, definitely. Um, well, I suppose we should speak about the big dog then, Resi Six. Uh, only. Oh, I thought it was going to be Dog the Bounty Hunter. We're going to talk. I know about. he's your favourite. I know, but nonetheless, there's <laughs> uh... <laughs> nothing wrong uh... with a bit of dog. Oh, I. Chris is in love with his daughter. It's all right. Get down the ground now! Uh, oh, that's a totally unrelated incident. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that's just you. That's just you at the weekends. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Can I miss in the hand? Get down the ground now. That makes me sound to- totally wrong. But carry on. Suddenly, yeah. suddenly I, I don't want to be associated with you guys anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Too late now. It's all, re- it's all recorded. Um, but yeah, Resi 6, not long announced, and like Luke said, it's kind of took a wee bit off the spotlight off of Raccoon City, because we're already getting adverts on TV for Resi 6, yeah. you know, all on the main channels, all on Sky Sports, all during big events, yeah. yet we still, you know, yet we aren't seeing a single thing for Raccoon City, so you can kind of already see where Capcom's focus is going to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then that's always been the case of like with Ubisoft and Assassin's Creed. Like, whenever Assassin's Creed was coming out, it was a case of focus on that. And whenever Driver came out, it was like there wasn't really that big of a publicity on it, mm. you know. But then again, you haven't really seen that many. I mean, don't forget that. Don't forget that two weeks before this Resident Evil Raccoon City comes out they have Street Fighter X Tekken come out in the same day as Mass Effect as well mm. and there's been very very little advertising for that so well, would I you know. compete with Mass Effect? no that's no. like <laughs> that's like you being that's like you having a, an alright film and competing with the likes of Star Wars or Lord of the Rings mm. you know so that's like you yeah. doing that and they're just going yeah I might as well just cut my arms off now 
yeah. Barbie's epic princess against Star Wars the Old Republic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nice. Definitely. But uh obviously this is completely fresh and new. This is uh based partly in China, from what I am hearing. Uh they were doing like sort of online uh, viral videos and all of like this oh, Chinese no girl. Hmm? The no hope left the things. The no hope left well. things, yeah. 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 Of some poor Chinese girl kind of crying and screaming and then getting edited <laughs> by the looks of it. Okay. But um what do you think is going to be what really stands out from Resi 6, Chris? Well, from the trailers, it looks like it's going to be three different types of games. You know, because you'll have the part... The part with Leon looks very, very dark and very true what the Resident Evil series is about, and that's survival horror. And I think they've kind of missed that. And kind of need to go back to their roots and go to that, because whenever you see him walking along and it's very, very dark and you see things in the distance, then as soon as you see Chris... Redfield coming down the helicopter, uh, coming down the zipline in the helicopter, and he's walking along, and he's taking cover. Looks very Gears of War, mm. you know the way he's actually you know running along, and then he's taking cover, and something's grabbing him, and then there's the other guy who looks like that'll be almost like Resident Evil Zero, where it looks like you may have to play as him and his sidekick, the the wee girl. He says like, "I'm not going to let anything happen to you," and kind of injects him. Yeah. So whether you have to get that done on a regular basis or something like that but I was excited whenever I heard about you know obviously we heard rumours about it and then the trailer dropped and I was just like watch it again watch it again watch it again (laughs) you know but they need to play it smart and leave that around for a wee while and then release a new trailer leave it for a couple of months until the the dust from Raccoon City has died and then bring out a new trailer and say like, oh right, you're still all playing Resident Evil. Here's a new trailer for you, and this is what this is about. And then say, you know, like, and then whenever the demo's going to drop as well, because if that game's out in May, I think it's maybe probably June, July time. Yeah. So that seems about right. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Luke? Yeah. You see, I just really hope that they go to the same way that they've gone with Revelations, and they really take it back, like Chris was saying to the core, because I think. With, with Resi 5 I just thought that was lacking I really did um, from what I've seen in the trailer for 6 you know it is looking like they are going to go back to the roots it is going to be a proper survival game this time it's not going to be a case of you know breeze through it a couple of scares here and there but you know I don't know uh, I'm really I, th- I think my expectations are high with this just because of what has been coming out and Revelations was promising for me so for, for six I, ju- I just want to see it you know like in the trailer I want to see it darker I want to see it gory mm-hmm. I want to I want to play basically I mean to be honest I want to play Resi 3 in HD yeah yeah that's but, something I think they should do to in the time that it takes for between uh, between Raccoon City and Resident Evil 6 is they've already released Re- Resident Evil 4 and Code Veronica on the marketplace why not do 2 or 3 or why not better yet you already have Resi 1 um, as an HD oh. remake that you did on the Gamecube why not just port that over and release that as a, as a download because uh, if fans are getting excited for Resi 6 why not let them play the back catalogue of the titles yeah that's, that's and it gives idea. them the opportunity to as well because yeah, some because of them it, wouldn't have played it 
they yeah, weren't played I, the earlier ones. Yeah, because I mean, I have them all in the GameCube, but that's the only way kind of you can get them, because that's the only console that they've all been released for. Yeah, you know, yeah. like obviously one, two, and three were on the PlayStation One, but then Code Veronica was on the Dreamcast, and then five was on obviously PS3 and Xbox. So that's the only one, apart from Resident Evil Five, that you have the older ones from four backwards to play f- through. Definitely. Yeah. Um, I think one of the big things that stands out for this for me is the size of the development team. I don't know whether you heard this. Oh, it's like 600 people or 600 something. 600 people are developing this game. You know, I just find that amazing. It's the biggest production number, I think, that Capcom have ever done. Like, I don't know what other companies tend to do in production numbers of people, you know, like what Bioware would do for Mass Effect or whatever. Um, but I definitely would say it would be nowhere near 600. No. No, it's an impressive size. Yeah. Definitely. Um... What do you think the multiplayer aspect will be with this? What do you think it'll? Do you think it'll only be in that specific part that you think, like with the guy and the girl, or do you think there's going to be a proper full-blown online <coughs> multiplayer? No, I think it'll be will be a proper because obviously we see Chris arguing with some guy and he says, "Look, I'm with you, but you can't let you know your judgment cloud your cloud your head or whatever." Mm-hmm. So I think every aspect will. I, I think it's essential now that you have a co-op aspect and. Or a online multiplayer of some sort on your games, um, because that's what Xbox Live's for. There's very, very few games that don't have that um, built yeah. into it. I think that this needs to have it. If obviously they're doing it with Raccoon City, they're going to have the engine there of how to do it. You know, like whether you have, you know, four on four deathmatch. You know, whether you have like four people being zombies, four people being the stars team or Umbrella or whatever, and kind of do a battle that way. Um, I don't know, but as long as I think a multiplayer enhances the game playing aspect of it as well, because if you're like with Resident Evil Five, you and I played it online. That was one of the first games you played yeah. online, and uh, you know, like it was challenging in parts, but then at the same time, you were happy to have a person there instead of the AI um, hindering you, which was absolutely dire. At times. <laughs> come on, come on, shut up. <laughs> Was, oh, there's on. some hidden demons there. There were hidden yeah. demons. <laughs> Instead, you'd rather have Alan over Xbox Live. Come yes. on, come on. <laughs> yeah, come on, Alan. What? <laughs> Alan, do you want to turn your microphone on? What? Oh, never mind. Or do you want to go through that door and I'll fire the grenade launchers and all that sort of stuff? Uh, yeah. Probably had your microphone on mute, so I probably didn't hear you. Oh, very good. Um... I must say the one the one thing that stands out for me in the trailer. Obviously, there's a lot of things that can stand out, but I love the scene that you have Leon in the office, and it's really dark, and he, it's the whole flash with the mm-hmm. with the president. Mr. Yeah. President, yeah, it's just like that is fantastic. It almost looks like something from Twenty Four. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. President, <laughs> join us next week. Well, you're the Twenty Four fan. Um, so of it. Of, <laughs> I just love the fact you breeze past that. You're the yeah, you're the uh, the twenty four fan. But uh, anyway, yeah. <laughs> um, so obviously um, you were mentioning about obviously the demo and Dragon's Dogma and all that sort of stuff. And then the sort of main time everything's going to start gathering pace is probably September time, which is going to be next year's best. best. Um, I think I would 
say Capcom are going to have a far bigger presence at Game Fest 2012. This big boy's coming, I would suspect. I'd like to think they would. Yeah, but then if they're releasing so many games in the first half of the year, is this going to be the only game that they're going to be bringing? Unlike last year, whenever they had like Azura's Wrath, Street Fighter X, Tekken, Resident Evil, uh, Dead Rising off the record. I mean, is it going to be a case of they maybe only have one, two, or three games? Maybe they have this and a couple. Maybe they have Tekken X Street Fighter and something else. I don't know. But well, maybe the better question would be, what would you like them to do at Game Fest? You know, be it with the stand or whatever. Just have a room dedicated to all the Resident Evils. In fact, yes, do that. Put Resident Evil 6 in there and then let the fans play the older ones in HD. While you're queuing? Yeah. <laughs> put them there, put them there, you know, like, like it, it doesn't have to be the full game. Do you like about an hour or something like that? Or let them play, you know, like have, as you're going up the queue, you have Resident Evil 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, and then you have 6. Look, you should see how much his eyes lit up when I asked that question. I can just imagine. But I see, can I'm dream, can I? It could actually happen because of the grounds of the little underdog that was there last year, replay events. Yeah. Now, they obviously had all the, the really decent retro titles there, and they've got the resource, they've got the consoles... I will happily lend them all my Resident <laughs> Evil games for the GameCube and lend them my GameCube. That's fine. I don't mind. I'll yeah. lend them my Resident Evil GameCube and Resident Evil controller. That's fine. I'm sure they just you just lend yourself. Yeah. <laughs> I'm here. What do you want done pertaining to Resident Evil? I've got my Resident Evil shirt on too. <sighs> and, and look at my watch. <laughs> <laughs> I just got the finger. Thank you very much for that. Oh dear, so is there anything anybody else wants to say about Resident Evil 6 before we move on? I can't wait. November, hurry up. Same. It's going to yeah, be good. I, I can't wait to stand there in Game Fest like last year. I was really, really excited to go and play Raccoon City and wasn't disappointed. And I just hope it's the same uh, thing for Resident Evil 6. Awesome. I agree. Yes. So, will we hand things over to Luke? Uh, yeah, uh, obviously Luke has stuff to promote, but I said that I would mention this because obviously, as you may know, I'm a quite a big fan of the Skylanders video game. Skylanders? Yes, yeah, Skylanders. Um, so, if you do have Skylanders and you want to trade, you can actually go on to Twitter and follow um, at Trade Skylanders. And you can actually trade Skylanders with other people there. I just said I would give them a shout out. So it's over to you, Luke. Um, obviously, you've got things to promote, so take your time. How people can get in touch with you. And uh, thanks for coming on once again. That's fine. I just love the idea of this Skylanders thing. I've not heard this yet. It's like it's like a playground for adults. Yeah, it is. Uh, especially people who enjoy collecting figures and uh, play video games. It's like um, he's my crack- fanboy. It's like crack cocaine, really. Yeah, but... Chris, no one collects figures anymore. (laughs) (laughs) If I was there, I would high-five you right now. (laughs) Oh, I've seen the pictures. Hurry the hell up and promote the stuff that you work on. (laughs) He-man figures over here. he figures over there. He-man figures over there. (laughs) I'm going to... 
Don't forget that I'm the one who's recording this. The save file might accidentally get corrupt. Oh, dear. <laughs> okay. So obviously, anyway, back on track. We are in yeah, February. Yeah. Look, explain to everybody about what you want to speak. Yes, right. Game Pastoria is growing, I'm happy to say. So, which is a surprise, really, because when we started this, it was, what, August? I started this just before Game Fest. Um, and now we have grown into the easy kind of market. Um, basically, there's, there's two sides of, of what it is why I've done it. So the first issue is out there, and people can kind of get an idea of, of what it is that I'm looking to do. It's still got to grow. It's still got, you know, we've still got teeth and things in there. But what I want to do is give something back to the fans, to the gamers, to the wannabe writers to the over-opinionated noobs that sit at their computer all day just judging everything <laughs> and say, right, if you think you can do it better, do it better. Write it, send it to us, I'll design it and publish it. You don't have to use a blog anymore. You can see what it would look like in the real world in a way, even though we're not publishing yet, but we'll still do it online, but you see where I'm coming from. Mm -hmm. um, and I, you know, I do my own reviews in there. I've got other people who are writing that I've kind of got set for us. I know you guys do kind of a nice thing for us as well. Um, but the whole point of Game Festoria, apart from being the fan site just for Game Fest, it's a fan site. And I want it to be for the fans. So we all have to work together to keep it working. You know, it's not just me. I'm not just sat there in an ivory tower with my own opinions. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's true. You get the fan sites that are out there that they say they're for the fans, and they police everything that gets said. You know, they'll only publish what they want to see. And mm. um, that's not what a fan site's about. You know, I'm not against a basically an entire rant of slagging off a publisher or a developer. You know, I want it to be a, a fair opinion. But oh, yeah. I want to give something back to the people who, you know, recently we hit a thousand followers on Twitter. You know, I've got so many emails and messages off people who are saying, you know, love what you're doing, I want to get involved, you know, sending the emails back out. There's there's a lot of people in there. You know, I've been having to ask for donations just to get things going bigger. You know, it's it's all there. So... All I can say is just keep watching the Twitter. You'll see the links keep going up for the magazine. If you want to donate, just go onto the Game Pastoria website. You know, I'm asking just for a couple of quid for the cause, really. You know, I'm one man. I can't do everything on my own. I haven't got a limited budget. You know, unfortunately, I can't kind of pull down the console and type in unlimited simoleons. Up, down, left, right, X, Y, A, B. Yeah. What is it? Money load. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, when I try that, I get the middle finger back of life. So, oh, right. <laughs> but no. Um, check us out. Keep going on the Twitter. I just want to say, you know, huge thank you so far to everyone. Um, I, I wouldn't be on here. I wouldn't be talking to people. I wouldn't be going down to midnight releases for game. I wouldn't be doing anything if it wasn't for the people that still stuck with us, still readers still get involved with us and still want to kind of talk to us so you know we're a fan site and that's what we're going to stay as and um, no one can touch that okay sweet there you go. okay ah. so 
<laughs> yeah, he's, he's happy he's done all that now. He, that must have been like a script he was reading off. So, um, not really. Obviously, Alan, our next episode then is going to be like uh, Ghostbusters based, with us having the Laura Summer interview, um, who voiced Janine in Real Ghostbusters. Um, so that'll be our next episode, um, which will probably be up uh, a week or two weeks after this here, and then uh, we'll see once we record that what we're going to do after that. There's ma- many things in the pipeline. Yes, exactly. Uh, can I do kind of the promo for you for that? For what? For for your Ghostbusters one. I'll be like this. Uh, Go Chris. Go Alan. Bring no ghost. Anyway. I think he was enjoying that too much. Yeah, I think he was, kind of. I was actually dancing. That's the worst thing. I got up off my chair and I was doing some little funky kind of get down on the floor, kicking it, kind of. Anyway. Okay. Yeah, so... um. Just, uh, Take drugs, as- children. Yeah, exactly. Otherwise, you end up like that. Um, so, yeah, uh, thanks to Luke for coming on and uh, pimping his goods and talking about Resident Evil. Um, so, yeah, uh, hopefully you've enjoyed this Resident Evil episode. As always, if you want to get in touch with us, you could email us at vintomanapopculturenetwork.com or alanpriceatpopculturenetwork.com. That's A L L A N. Um, for you people who still don't know how to spell it um, or you can follow us at RetroShock316 on Twitter uh, obviously we do um, a number of competitions with ourselves and Game Fest Story so obviously with the two uh, I see something dropped there it's like oh yeah I forgot to mention that um, <laughs> with the two year anniversary of this and then obviously Luke having the magazine out um, we'll see if we could do something special and mark that milestone so uh just uh, thanks very much for listening, and I've been Chris Vint. I've been Alan Price. And who have you been? Yeah, I've you, been. the other third person. <laughs> who have you been? I've been Luke. Okay, AKA Game Festoria. Yay! Yes, yeah, so uh, thanks very much for listening, and goodbye. Peace. Bye. Resident Evil. You're full of the cold as well, are you? A little bit. I've got a bit of a blocked nose. I am the same. Oh, boo-hoo. Shut your face. Face not. Oh, let me guess. You're fine and you hate everyone else that has a cold. No, I just hate everyone else just in general, so, yeah. Well, maybe we don't like you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, he's took the headphones off and that's him. <laughs> There oh, there he is. <laughs> I thought you'd left. Well, he, do, he does that. He does that a wee bit too much. He just walks out in the show. What just fine. disappears? I'll go if you want. No, you're all right. You're fine. Just no, keep that there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, oh dear. Yeah, I'm ready to go anyway. So. Yep. And are you sure you're not going to half crest? No. Fine. <laughs> you, you sure? Maybe. Don't We're not going to have That's all right. Carry on. What are these things? Jesus. This is Vector. I found the target.
officers on site. The Inspector are closing in. Resident Evil. 